Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college half of our flagship podcast here at Campus DeCanton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Continuing on with our conference preview series, the only conference preview series here on the Campus DeCanton Podcast Network. Do not let Back to Debbie fool you. We're out here giving you the best information for your C2C rosters this year. Got a couple conferences under our belt here and now we move into the big 10 this is a conference that um has some really fun teams to talk about we might legitimately spend 45 minutes in ohio state tonight and then some teams <laughs> that we don't have to talk about at all thank you northwestern so uh, i am looking forward to this show here tonight colin um you you did oppenheimer this weekend which i'm very very Good. jealous about um i i would really like to uh, go see that here soon. But you said it was good, right? I don't remember no what talking about this. I know. I know. Okay. Okay. I know. I know. Oh, are you talking about like the, I ask you a question and don't actually want to hear the answer. I'm just asking out of courtesy. Yeah. And you give me like two sentences instead of like a 12 minute review on the movie. That's mostly what I was getting at here. Oh, oh yeah. No, no, no. I'm not going to give any spoilers or anything like that. Okay. Um, good. Yeah. No, I, I liked it. Um, it's, it is a three hour movie, but it doesn't feel like a three hour at least not to me like it's paced really well throughout the whole thing i thought you know critics say the same thing about the c2c pod when it goes long the mm -hmm. two hour pod yeah. didn't feel like two and a half or two hours i just yeah two hours and 11 minutes uh <laughs> did not feel that way it was engaged action-packed the whole time action-packed is definitely the way to describe us i i am not gonna lie i am a, i'm struggling a little bit for energy tonight mm -hmm. uh today uh, really yesterday was the final day of our move um, so I am really on my last leg. So Colin, I've tasked you with bringing the energy. I think that's a scary proposition, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it is too. Cause just, like I'm yeah. typically, uh, my role on the shows or whatever is more of like the, the even keel, you know, um, I'm not, I'm not like the big high energy guy, the coming in with a blazer and a cigar. Thank me. Thank me. Thank me. It's so funny because in real life, I'm not really the energy guy either, am I? Unless I've been drinking, then I, I am the energy guy. Oh, I mean, if I've been drinking too, all bets are off. But maybe that's what we have to do. We just get hammered for one of these podcasts. Oh, God. No, I've seen you get hammered, and I don't want to clean up that again. We've been there. <laughs> We've been there too many times. We don't have time for that. Uh, we're all adults here now. All right. Well, let, let's let's start the show here. If you guys haven't checked out the past couple episodes, we've talked AAC and ACC. And just a reminder, we are doing the short sessions at the beginning of all of our conference preview episodes. And what we are doing is we are interviewing new content creators in the C2C, college fantasy, Devi, college football space, whether they're writing, podcasting, YouTubing, all of that kind of good stuff. We talked to ourselves the first week. <laughs> We're not that full of ourselves, we promise. We talked to Noah Green last week. We got a really good, uh, some really good reviews on that. So shout out Noah. This week, we are joined by somebody who uh, has been a member with us almost since day one. Yeah, Real, really. Like I, if I could go back and uh, we can't, we, we upgraded the website and erased a bunch of that stuff, but I guarantee he was one of the first 10 to 15 members at campus to Canton. He's helped us get a bunch of player interviews uh, over the past few years. And you've probably heard him uh, in some of those interviews here on the podcast feed, but we're talking to Luke Probasco. Now Luke 
does a, a ton of really cool stuff. He's got his, uh, his sub stack that he recently created. We mentioned that here uh, during the interview. So go ahead, find that on uh, it, it's attached to his Twitter page. So you can go ahead and find the link really easily that way. He also runs a podcast, which I think is really cool for his home league. They have a home C2C league, which first off, like we finally, we, Colin and I <laughs> own between the two of us 29% of Campus to Kin <laughs> and haven't been able to get this out of any of our friends. We finally, yeah. finally have finagled it this offseason where we had to include Felix and Eric Froton to get to 12. We only had 10 people that were interested. Uh, but yeah. he does a, a weekly show for his pot for his home league where they do a show on what's going on in the league. They they try to cover if there's been recent transactions and trades and they they rip on people and but you don't necessarily have to just be a part of the league to enjoy the show. They've had some player interviews. They've had us on. They talk some strategy. They talk incoming freshmen. They really cover everything. So it's a really cool show. It's a really good idea. Love to see more of those popping up here over the next uh, couple of years as this space continues to grow. Uh, but without further ado, uh, let, let's hop right into our interview here with Luke um, and, and see his thoughts on the three big questions here that we're asking everybody. All right, we are back with another cram session here. This time we bring on a up and comer in the C2C Devi CFF space, uh, Luke Probasco at Probasco Luke on Twitter. Uh, recently created his own Substack, Luke Substack, tips, trends, takes dot substack.com in June. He already has 13 articles breaking down offenses, highlighting players you need to know for CFF, C2C, and Devi. Uh, Luke, how's it going, man? It's going pretty darn good. I am super pumped to be on the show, make my first appearance, um, and talk a little bit about some uh, takes that I got, some tips, some trends, some takes. Awesome. Love it. Name of the, the substack three there. Tees. Three yep. T's. Triple threat. without them. I'm I'm your triple threat guy. Love it. Uh, so before we dive in here, how did you get started with the Substack? What made you want to start uh, start this up? Well, I was originally reading uh, Leo's stuff, or uh, is it Justin? Yeah, Volume Pigs. Mm -hmm. Volume Pigs. So I was I was reading his stuff, and I I am uh, I just moved on to a different position, but I was an analytical chemist. Um, so mm -hmm. I really like analytics i like trends i like following things patterns um i played college baseball people are all about um the same patterns you've got superstitions you've got trends love analytics so it was just kind of a natural like i enjoyed reading this and i'm already doing some of this stuff to prepare for my c2c league so why not share it with other people you know, damning to me a little bit in my own drafts, but I want to help grow the space and make it fun for other people. While I've got my opinions, which my opinions are more data-driven, um, everybody gets to make their own picks. So, yeah, love it, man. I love, I love that you want to help grow the space. We need more people trying to help grow this, just putting out more content. But yeah, it's a two, it's a double-edged sword. You know, you're finding out that. Uh, Sometimes people will snipe your picks. Uh, Austin is uh, Austin has fallen victim to that multiple times. 
It happens. It happens. <laughs> it sounds like it wasn't happening too much in your home league, and you spoon feed them all your thoughts every single week, Luke. So you're yeah, I, I feed I feed them my thoughts every week, and no one seems to listen. Sooner or later, people will wise up. You know, after you win the home league NCAA side two years in a row, the NFL side win both sides in one year. Maybe they'll listen. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. We're starting out a home league. Can you uh, give Colin any tips on how to uh, put up that kind of performance? Because he's really hurting for a win here. I do. I do need some wins. Well, first, if you can ever grab two quarterbacks that you're not sure about what's going to happen in that room, you double tap them when you can. Okay, Colin? You're preaching um, to the choir. Love you writing it. this down, Colin? I am. Yeah, I okay. am. I'm typing, typing away over here, furious. So um, keep going. Keep going. Should I mean a lot of people were talking about you know Bo Nix in the first round, you know, a couple years ago. I mean, should have taken that advice. We all mm. we all know what happened now. I mean, apparently he's a Heisman winner um, over here. Might be. Might be. Might be. We don't know. Uh, those are you know draft good players. Uh, start your studs. Okay. Uh, don't get too cute. That's what I would start with. And oh, okay. if you can I, actually start players that score a lot of points, mm-hmm. I found that has had a pretty good correlation to winning. I appreciate that. I'm gonna I, I jotted all these down. I think that's a good place for me to start. Um, because like Austin said, I, I need some I need some W's in the home leagues. So this this should go a long way. We're starting that draft up here soon. All of this and more over at Luke's Substack. So go ahead. <laughs> if, you, if you thought those tips were good, the ones you write down are even better. So were his trends and his takes. <laughs> Appreciate it. Um, all right. Well, let's dive into the interview portion here. Uh, we asked the same three questions to everybody for this cram session. Who's one player you believe will help the stock? One player you believe will hurt their stock? And then a bold, spicy prediction. We'll start off with one player that you believe will help their stock this year? I believe that player this year will be Will Howard, quarterback at a Kansas State. Now, whether it's from a Debbie standpoint, I definitely think he helps himself with a C2C standpoint. He's got two years of eligibility if he so chooses. He's 6'5", 243. He's in the Big 12 you're going to lose Oklahoma. You're going to lose Texas next year. So if he does decide to come back, it's going to be a pretty weak conference overall. He only, I think he played like five or six games last year due to Martinez injury. And he had 23.6 points per game. And that includes a 2.1 game against Alabama. They're in their bowl game. So if you're getting, you know, I don't want to say throw those games out, but if you get a 23 from your quarterback each week, like you're not upset about that. And he's going pretty late. I'm not exactly sure where he's going in C2C drafts, startups and whatnot, but I think he's going to be the biggest riser. You got Colin uh, Klein there as his quarterback coach, um, former Heisman candidate, uh, who is definitely a lot more mobile than, Will Howard, but Will Howard does have some mobility that who knows if he's a big guy, if they do that, like Philadelphia Eagles push in the goal line and take some of those uh, touchdowns. I think he 
helps himself for this year, a quarterback that you can get late, maybe slides into the, one of those like dark horse quarterback three, four, five range where he's going to be this perennial backup type thing. But he's shown the flashes. They've got a good offensive line coming back, I think. And uh, I think that's that's going to be my, my guy there for, for this year. From a value perspective, it sounds like maybe you're describing somebody who is um, um, Clayton Tune-ish, but not yeah. attached to Dana Holgerson. Is that, I mean, he's gotten a little bit of you know intrigue as an NFL guy. He went what early day three. Is that he obviously produced very well last year? Is that the kind of season maybe kind of guy we think he uh, could be from a value perspective? Yeah, I think I think that's what I'm thinking about from a, a draft day standpoint. Maybe not uh, putting up the numbers that Clayton Tune did on the college side, but I think you know from a points per game standpoint, I feel like he was in roughly the top thirty quarterbacks would be uh, my guess. So he puts that together for a full season and has a couple more up games because they don't really. I don't know their schedule off the top of my head, but they don't face anybody like super tough this year. Um, so I think Kansas state's got a lot to prove. They're going to try to blow out teams when they can. And I think he's got a chance to be a, definitely a top 30 quarterback, probably even a top 20 from a points per game standpoint. I pulled up their schedule just to take a look at it here. And you're right. I mean, they do play Texas. They do play – I mean, it depends on what you think of TCU this year and then the rest of their schedule. Yeah, no Oklahoma. The Ida Conference has uh, Southeastern Missouri, Troy, um, Mizzou. So it's, uh, it, it is a soft schedule there. They, there mm-hmm. There's definitely some chances there uh, for that offense to do some things this year. Yeah, And I think and he's I, got some zip on his arm or zip on his passes. And I think he shows flashes. And if he can string something together, and if he doesn't this year and he decides to come back – um, you've got Avery Johnson kind of sitting there in the wings. Is he going to be big enough? You know, what what do they want to do? But if he comes back, I'm sure they'd be willing to take him back for another year and probably win the Big 12 without Oklahoma, without Texas. I mean, they did it with – or were they almost – or did they win? Did they beat TCU? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they yeah, beat they TCU. Yeah. So, I mean, they won the Big 12 with Texas and Oklahoma in there. Now you take them out. I think it's a no-brainer. Yeah, and he he finished last year in a points per game basis as a QB thirty-three. So you're right there, like right on that. Uh, And I I think he could have a really nice productive season this year too. So I love the call on Will Howard. All right, well let's talk about somebody who's going to hurt their stock a little bit this year. Um, Who who, you know what? Somebody's got to go up. Somebody's got to go down. Was that conservation of energy? Conservation of I don't know. I'm not a science guy. I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say you're trying to talk chemistry. chemistry. That was bad. Um, So. I don't know if if necessarily I want to say that they're going to hurt their stock, but I think we are overdrafting this player from a C2C standpoint and maybe even a um, CFF standpoint. I wrote an article on my Substack about Trey Benson. Um, he's got good Debbie upside. He's probably right now like a top four back. And Florida State has national championship aspirations they too don't have a hard schedule they play lsu week one and then i don't know if they play clemson this year they might play clemson at like towards the end of the year 
that's kind of like it. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, Norvell's going to run that offense like he's getting ready to do a playoff run. He's going to rest guys when they need to. Um, looking back at Norvell's offense from 2016 through 2022, his RB1 averages for running back um, attempts, 49.87%. And he usually has about two to three guys carrying that load. So he's going to get half of the running back carries. Um, so he's going to get about 12 touches out of the backfield a game, which isn't like super great. He had like less than one catch on average a game this year. So he's not going to really give you anything in the running game, but based off of the RB one averages over those years that I had mentioned for Jay Norvell, you're going to get a running backs with about a thousand yards, 11 touchdowns. That sounds great. 22 receptions, one touchdown, 219 yards. They're going to give you about 17.18 points per game, which if you're drafting them in a C2C league, he's currently going based off of campus2can.com in the second round and then in CFF leagues in the third round. And last year he finished as, uh, was it running back 51, 53, something like that. Um, and as somebody you're drafting that high from a CFF perspective, like, that's not something I want to take in the third round. Um, but from a C2C, he's going to go to the draft. You get, you've got um, you've got players like Daryl Henderson. You've got Kenny Gainwell. You've got Antonio Gibson. They've all gone to the league, but they've been in the league for a while. And have you been super pumped about starting any of those guys on the NFL side? So from a C2C standpoint, you're – getting a guy for one year going to the NFL. I don't know, like running back 51, how great you feel about starting them each week in a C2C league. Um, and then starting in the NFL, you got your Daryl Henderson, Kenny Gainwell. I know it's a, he's a little bit of a different profile, but like we haven't really seen Jay Norvell running backs get a whole bunch of love in, in the NFL so then are you going to be happy with no product, not very much production on the CFF side and then really nothing to show for it on the NFL side. Other guys going around him in C2C startups. Would you rather have Trey Benson or Rome Madunze? Would you rather have Trey Benson or Robin, uh, Ruben Owens, Katron Allen, Devin Brown, people going after Trey Benson, Damian Martinez, Jalen McMillan, Devontez Walker, Carnell Tate, Keon Coleman. I think I'd rather take a shot on, you know, McMillan, Roma Dunze, Devontez Walker over Trey Benson. Uh, CFF-wise, you've got guys going around Trey Benson. Uh, Kovarian Barnes, Squirrel White, Marquez Cooper, Malik Neighbors, Audric Estime, Jason McClellan. I'd probably take most, if not all, those guys over Trey Benson in a CFF league. So that's kind of my argument Argument there. Yeah, I mean, I think 
Trey Benson is just starting to get even more popular. Dean Brugler is, um, from The Athletic released his rankings. He was ranked fairly highly there. Um, I, I think Benson, I, I do agree. I think Benson's probably a little bit more, um, a little overrated in terms of CFF values because I do think it's going to be a little bit of a committee there. Uh, and then you also have to worry about Jordan Travis poaching, rushing, some rushing touchdowns too. Um, so, I mean, out of those guys that you listed there, I mean, I take Kavorian Barnes over over Benson in terms of CFF production. Um, but I know uh, the the back to Devi guys might have something to say about that. I know they're big Trey Benson guys. So, and I, I'm just I used to be more of a in in my dynasty leagues before I got into C2C, like, give me running backs, give me running backs. Well, we've seen them devalued and devalued and shoot up and spit out. And we've got – right now you've got all these running backs looking for homes and you've got running backs not signing uh, their um, franchise tag. So you get Trey Benson that goes in, what, the third round, fourth round – plays for a few years, sticks around, is a part of a committee. The NFL seems to be going to this committee approach. Give me a a wide receiver that is going to have a chance to score me more points on the college side and then possibly, you know, you got hype around Roma Dunze and uh, Jalen McMillan. Give me those guys. Or Devontae Walker. Don't really know what he's going to do there on the college side with the new uh, offensive coordinator, but hey, he might surprise some people and get some good draft capital. I like it. Uh, that's that. That's a pretty bold take there. Trey Benson hurting his stock. Like I said he's been gaining a little bit of uh, a little bit of hype lately. But and I think, and I think people are just going to be upset because they they've got national championship aspirations. I just don't think I think they're going to manage the season and the ACC schedule is not going to make them have to work him that hard. Sure, he might be the reason he sits, you know, a couple games because you know he exploded. But I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that right. that would that he's going to help himself. All right. Well, let's wrap this up here. Give us one bold prediction for the season. Uh, you take that in any direction you'd like. All right. I think that Jack Plummer in 2022. Was QB was it 216? He averaged 19.1 points per game. He might have been overall 216. I can't exactly remember. Maybe fact checked me there, Colin. But I believe that he will, in this new system that he's going to there at Louisville with Jeff Brom, finish as a QB two, anywhere between that. QB 12 to QB 24 because Jeff Brom over his eight seasons, I'm not going to count 2020 because there's four games in the big 10. His quarterback averages 4,113 yards passing 34 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. Depending on if you're in a you know, four point passing touchdown league or a six point passing touchdown league, that's going to be 26 points or 21.4 points per game. And I think Jack Plummer, you've got a lot of good returning quarterbacks. I think Jack Plummer solidifies that QB two range. All right. Um, So 
I just looked it up. He finished as the QB 84 last 84. year. Yeah, I finished it uh, overall rank was like 160 something. Okay. Um, so QB 84, but that's a pretty big jump. Pretty big jump from QB 84 up into the uh, into a QB 2 range. I think you just got to believe the system. He was in the system before there at Purdue, before he went to Cal, and now going here. I don't think he's going to have as much to learn. I think he's going to pick it up. Again, Louisville, not a tough um, conference schedule. They might, based off their schedule, they might sneak into an ACC championship game. Nobody, nobody hard on that schedule. I guess your biggest concern is if Jack Plummer can keep that job all year, which I think he he can do just based off that schedule. Bonus hot take: Ryan Day is fired from Ohio State University because he loses to Michigan or that team up north again. He's gonna have. You know, he'll at that point he'll be fifty something and like seven or eight, and they're gonna fire him because he's lost three years in a row to Michigan, and that's just gonna be unacceptable for the Ohio State fan base, which is wild to think because you've got it's so hard to find a college coach that can be successful and be as successful as they have been lately, and I think they're gonna they're gonna let it get the best of them and they're gonna fire Ryan Day. That bonus hot take is spicy. Spicy. I think you might have Matt Bruning in your mentions after this. <laughs> the, the hottest take in there is that Louisville doesn't play a good team. Do you know who they play on October 14th, sir? Uh-oh. Is it, is it, <laughs> is it Pitt? Pitt? <laughs> it's Pitt. Come on. I Come on. I didn't say they didn't play hard teams. I just said their schedule is pretty easy. You said – I'm going to go back and listen to the tape. You said they don't play anybody tough. That's what you said. I heard – <laughs> well, you, you got their schedule. Up. What's their schedule? What is their you schedule? Need to walk that back. Pitt's not. Pitt's not going to be tough. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty weak schedule. All in all honesty, Georgia Tech, Murray State, Indiana, Boston College, NC State, Notre Dame, Pitt, Duke, Virginia Tech, Virginia, Miami, and Kentucky. So, um, realistically, I think light. you know Kentucky, Notre Dame, going to be a homer. Pitt. Duke, I think, are all losses probably just just on the surface. But um, after that, I mean, it's pretty smooth sailing. So, yeah, I, I think they've definitely got one of those uh, under-the-radar type of seasons in them. So. I love it. I love it. Uh, I well, it. I take a <laughs> shot of my pit pants. Never coming back on this show, Luke. Um, man, I am. I'm sorry. I didn't mean. I didn't mean to ruffle any feathers. Please don't uh, read my article on Substack about. Uh, Chasing waterfalls and Rodney Hammond. Ah, nice, uh, nice, nice Pre- plug there. This guy's a Pre- professional. This Pre- guy's a professional. <laughs> uh, what a TLC well, thank- reference. <laughs> no, that one was on purpose. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Luke. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Probasco Luke. Uh, definitely check out that that Substack tips trends takes uh, like I said, already 13 articles over there, one of which does discuss a pit running back, like we just talked about. Um, do you have any article that you're working on right now that you want to plug? Yeah. Um, so I've been on vacation the last couple of weeks, so taking a little bit of a break. I am working on uh, Cal's offense, just in general, uh, looking at 
what to expect from the Cal offense. And then I am going to be doing one on Rutgers running back room. All right. So I try to have a article drop every Sunday, Wednesday, and Friday. It's Sunday or Monday, but I try to do one for Sunday, uh, one for Wednesday and Friday. I love it. That's more articles in a week that you've written than I've written probably in my entire time at, at C2C. Oh, that is some a thousand percent. You don't need, well, we don't even have to guess on that. It's definitely, definitely. <laughs> I said per week. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there you go. If you're interested in the Cal offense, if you're interested in the Rutgers running back room, two places I think could be underrated for this year, definitely go check out that sub stack over there. Um, Luke, really appreciate you joining us today. Um, and uh, we'll, uh, like I said, when Austin's gone, maybe we'll have you back on there. We can trash pit some more. That sounds delightful. Maybe not so much trashing pit, but being back on, you know, and sharing, we can have our own robe time. A lot of, I um, mean, this is an auto, audio medium, and I've got my best robe on for, uh, for this podcast tonight. <laughs> You and me both. You and me both. Uh, All right. Thanks a lot, Luke. Appreciate it. Thanks. All right. Again, shout out to Luke. I mean, seriously, just the OG of OGs here uh, amongst the Campus to Canton crew and somebody who uh, really is is pushing for the format to grow. Um, and honestly, somebody that I, I talk to quite frequently and it has become a, fr- a good friend of mine. So um, yeah, again, agreed. if if anybody else wants to hop on the show here with us over the next couple of weeks, we still have, I think, three shows unclaimed. Um, if you guys don't reach out to us, we have a, a short list of people that we know that we're going to start reaching out to to see if they want to come on. But if you are a new content creator or you're thinking about hopping into this space, please feel free to send us a message somewhere on some platform, whether it's Discord, Twitter, et cetera, uh, and we'll get that set up. Let's hop into the Big Ten here. Um, this is going to be, I don't think this is going to be the longest show. We've got the SEC, and, and there's some other uh, conferences that are fairly enticing as well because there are some stinker schools from a fantasy perspective here in the Big Ten. Um, are there really no schools alphabetically before I? I know. I was blown That's away. That's bonkers. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. bonkers. I let Colin set this up, and I thought that he's just an idiot. But no, no. I'm pretty sure that's Swear true. to God. Swear to God. Yeah. Nothing Nothing alphabetically before I. Illinois is the first school here alphabetically. That just feels so wrong, man. Yeah. And um, there are and a few three names. of them that are I's. Yeah, it's just bizarre. There, there are some interesting players here on Illinois. I don't think in a regular we, – we say this every week, or I say this every week. In a regular league, which you presume is 12 teams and it's 45-man rosters, so what does that get you to? 500-ish players, you know, maybe a little over that. I don't think there's a quarterback that needs to be rostered in Illinois. I think you need to be aware of who the starter is. That's Luke Altmeyer. He transferred up here from Ole Miss. You also need to be aware of Cal Swanson, the true freshman. Again, not a guy that I feel comfortable really – rostering right now but a guy that for fantasy purposes he's very mobile he's got some good tools if he can develop for a year or two he could be a a fun fantasy player in the future but but these are neither of these guys are players that i'm scrambling to grab in a c2c league right now 
No, me either. I mean, Illinois is a run first team. And so I'm not all that interested in the quarterback. There's not a ton of players on this team that I'm super interested in. I mean, we got Chase Brown last year, um, but this team from an offensive perspective, 84th in neutral game square pass rate and 73rd in pace. So not like a, a high paced, high passing offense. Yeah, I mean, there's really nothing else to say. I, I they, they really want to focus more uh, on the ground game there, Brett Bielema, and that's what they do. So let's talk about the running backs then. I think last year, Chase Brown, I, I have maintained this. I have talked my talk on multiple shows, uh, shouting out the anonymous. I haven't, I haven't named any names, but there were a lot of folks last year who were really high on Chase Brown. And I basically said, I didn't get the Chase Brown hype. And unless something happened to Josh McCray, the, this was going to be a timeshare. Well, lo and behold, the Chase Brown stands got lucky. Josh McCray gets hurt week one right out of the gate. And Chase Brown goes on to have a top uh, six or seven uh, fantasy season at the running back position there. He's gone now. He's with the Bengals. There are a few players left behind, and it sounds like it's going to be a committee. The coaching staff has basically – I don't – I mean, they – you don't really trust coaches, but they've said this in multiple different ways. There's probably going to be some combination of Reggie Love, some combination of Josh McCray, who's a big, big back. And then possibly maybe this year we see a little bit of Caden Feegan, a guy that we really like here at C2C. He's a true freshman. He is Braylon Allen-esque. I don't think that's a an, an off comparison. He's like 6'2", no. 235, 240, uber-athlete. Didn't play very tough competition in high school so he's a little untested maybe not quite ready for college yet but i mean i think this is a really interesting trio and really the only one i want to roster because again unless a bunch of people get injured i don't think any of them are cff relevant for this year so give me fegan who i think could develop into something that is just monstrous for fantasy moving forward yeah, I agree. Fegan's the guy that I want out of that backfield. I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be more of a committee. Reggie Love, Josh McCray, kind of a thunder lightning type of a, a deal. Um, if you put a gun to my head and forced me to roster somebody between Reggie Love and Josh McCray. What kind of would, a sicko would do that? Put a gun to it would be and make choose between Reggie Love and Josh McCray. Yeah, it, it would be McCray just because he is the bigger body guy and could get some touchdowns. Um, you know, and, and I think he is he's pretty athletic overall for for a guy that size. So there's some things to possibly like about McCray, but like you said, if you're expecting a Chase Brown type of year this year, I think that was a fluke last year. Looking at the wide receivers here, I think there's really only one guy that is really, really interesting, and that's Isaiah Williams. Um, he's a smaller guy, you know, 5'10". I think he's listed around 180. I'm not entirely sure I believe that. Um, he is very much he, – he's in the Kadarius Tony mold, let's say. Yeah. And just to give you an idea of how – I don't have his ADOT pulled up, but if you look at his stats from last year, 82 catches for 715 yards. Like that's less than 10 yeah. yards per reception is rough, but they, in his defense, it's not a talent issue. It's that literally anytime they got in trouble and chase Brown, they couldn't go to chase Brown. They would just dump it to him 
and hope that he can make something magical happen. He's pretty dynamic on kick and punt returns. He had 16 punt returns last year. I think if I had to guess, I think he's probably a fifth round NFL draft pick that contributes early on special teams and then could potentially be a gadgety type wide receiver that might be underselling him a little bit because I think he is a fun twitchy kind of guy and he does have 130 catches over the past two years uh good athlete but I just I I, the usage has been so off on him that it's just kind of tough to get a read on what he could potentially be in the NFL right now beyond just his highlights which are really really cool yeah that's kind of where I'm at with Williams too Uh, he I don't think you're going to want to start him for fantasy purposes on the college side like if I if I'm ever in a position where I'm starting Juice Williams, like I'm probably packing it in for the year and just you know, uh, moving and playing for next year, trading off my guy, my CFF studs for picks and um, you know moving forward. So not a guy that I ever want to start. And, and like you said, he's he'll probably get drafted, he'll be on an NFL roster, but I don't know that I'll ever actually want to start him. So he's a guy that's like meh for CFF. It may for the NFL. So I queue him up a lot, but I've never actually pulled the trigger. And we have discussed the Collins cues end up being a little heftier than mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, 400 draft actually starts tomorrow, by the way, on that. And I want to talk to you later about this because I think I have a fun Ooh. challenge for me. And I want to see if you want to get involved with it as well, since there's so many newbies in mm-hmm. this league. We can talk mm-hmm. about that here uh, later on in, in this. Uh, this Yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun challenge, I think. I, I'm pretty I'm pretty uh set okay. on it here um, okay yeah he, all right we'll talk about that then he, he's a guy that i've queued as well isaiah williams and just haven't uh ever really been able to pull the trigger feels like a uh a roster clogger to yeah. me personally not a guy that really is giving you value on either side of things indiana man i think indiana is is a fun what if scenario like if everything goes right for them this year if the quarterback play ends up being what we thought the like the the, if the quarterback lives up to their talent potential if the running back that they have there can be kind of a fun guy like we think he can be if the receivers are all healthy and living up to what they can do like this could be i mean they're not gonna be ohio state or anything but this could be kind of like maybe that maryland offense from a couple years ago that was kind of fun where they were airing it out and they had multiple dynamic guys there and you never really knew what was going to happen Taven Jackson is probably the starter. He comes over from Tennessee. We talked about Taven Jackson a lot last offseason because yeah. we, he was a true freshman, four-star. And we basically said, like, this is a really talented kid, but they had Nico signed there at the time, Yamalieva. Impressive. You got Impressive. it. Yeah. Nailing. Now the, the yips y- are gone. The yips it's are like gone. Yeah. Although you, you just talked about it. You're not supposed to. I don't think you're supposed to talk about it. No, nope, my, my psychiatrist said that uh, that I should. Uh, it would okay. help me. Um, okay. And we basically said that Jackson would just never get a shot there because they were paying Iamalieva like all this money. And just like the, basically the scenario that he would play was that Hendon Hooker had to go down. They didn't have anybody else. Jackson stepped in and played exceptionally well. And even then it wasn't necessarily a guarantee yeah. because they were spending all this money on Nico. That, that would come to fruition. Well, Hooker did get hurt. Yeah. But then they Joe bought Milton. Joe Milton, yeah. which was up up and down. And, and now we are here. He's at Indiana. He's intriguing because he can move around a little bit. He has a pretty good arm. It's not uh like I, I wouldn't call it a cannon, but it's a it's a it's a above average arm for sure. Probably, you know, 60 to 70 percentile arm strength. Um 
I, I I think he's intriguing. It's his first year starting in what is traditionally a more conservative offense there. So, you know, will they unleash him and what, what does he live up to? I don't know that he's a guy that I'm targeting in drafts per se. If it's a start three QB, maybe I'm thinking about it isn't. Yeah, we're going to start, start three QB <laughs> startup right now. So Collins, give me a face. Maybe like 40th round kind of guy. I but think I you're on the clock too in that actually. Nah, or we'll right. be very I soon. Justice oh, okay. Simmons. Um, oh, okay. Okay. But I think he's intriguing. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, again, we were talking, I said leading into this, if he plays up to his talent level and they kind of unleash him a little bit, I think this could be a fun team. And I think he could score something. He could have seven, eight rush touchdowns, you know, I sling the rock around a little bit. I, I think he's really, really interesting. Yeah, I do too. And I think the most interesting and surprising thing to me from uh, as I was um, prepping for this show is Indiana was first in the country in plays per minute last year in pace. Um, They ran the fastest pace offense and it wasn't super close. Uh, And then Indiana was also 11th in neutral game script pass rate. So they threw the ball a lot and they um, ran a lot of plays. They just, you know, Connor Basilak was the quarterback. He's very meh. Uh, I think a lot of it had to do with the game script and I have a feeling that they're going to be in the same situation this year where it's going to be a lot of negative game script. They're going to have to throw the ball a lot. Um, Their offensive coordinator, Walt Bell, um, he's kind of bounced around a little bit. Um, He was at UMass as a head coach, but that, you know, UMass, it's hard to do anything there. Uh, But in 2018, he was at Florida state as their offensive coordinator and they threw the ball to 57% pass rate, which was their highest pass rate in the last decade. So he seems to like to throw the ball around. So I'm with you. I think this could be an, a sneaky source of volume production for uh, these for these guys who, who, you know, they're dirt cheap, all of them, uh, all of the players here. And Taven Jackson He's that guy that we liked last year. He redshirted last year, I think. So he should have four years of eligibility left. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's no way he ate up eligibility last year. Zero percent yeah. chance. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by, by Jackson as well. He's a guy that I always queue up, and like you said, in a, in a three QB league, might be a guy I pull the trigger on. Jer, last week I was on Chasing the Natty and their running back preview episode, and which is our college fantasy show for people that aren't aware. And Jared asked me, who is the guy outside the top, like 20 rounds or something that could end up as a, as an RB one. And I, my answer was Dylan Johnson, by the way. Um, and I don't know if that's a good answer or not, but my rationale was, you know, attached to a good offense. They're going to score a lot. If he ends up getting the job, he's a good, he's a talented player. But I think if you had to point to a guy that's going like, you know, very lowly drafted outside drafts and C2C leagues, and you say like, who's the, who's that guy that has a chance to blow up this year? I think Taven Jackson could be an answer. And again, I'm not, I'm not sure that he's like day one talented. I think we had him as a tier three running back or a quarterback last year, but he's still good. And he's still, if you think of what traditionally is at Indiana, um, really outside of Penix over the past decade plus, there's not been a lot there exciting. I think Jackson can be exciting there. Running back, they have Jalen Lucas, and he is 175 pounds soaking wet. And he's probably he's a little over 180, but he's not a big guy. But he is really, really electric. I mean, again, if this is one of those kind of exciting upstart offenses that come out of nowhere, Lucas could have a decent year. I don't think he's really a guy that I want to roster right now in a normal league, but I think he's a, he's he's fun and interesting and in weird formats. 
where you have to start a ton of running backs or you get, I don't know, it's like a, you know, power five only or something. I think he could be a deeper guy that could be intriguing. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he could be an interesting guy. Uh, he, he pass catcher and we'll talk about it here in a minute. They don't really have a lot of other offensive weapons on this roster. So a team that seems to want to speed the tempo up a little bit and throw the ball a little bit more, that doesn't have a lot of offensive pieces. They're going to be in a lot of negative game script situations. Lucas is a pretty decent pass catcher. I'm intrigued by Lucas as well. Um, more of a watch list guy for me at this point, but I'm going to watch him early in the season. He might be, he might make an appearance on our waiver wire uh, earlier, early in the season. Yeah, I don't have him ranked, but I just think, you know, a guy to keep an eye on there. Wide receiver. So for anybody who is new to the format or just straight up was not, did not know this stat, Cam Camper actually threw a handful of weeks last year before he got injured was leading the nation in targets and was getting like 15 plus a game, just stupid volume. Now the quarterback play wasn't good. So it's not like a lot of them were targets you could do anything with. But yeah. Just the fact that they were cycling so much stuff to him was remarkable. He got injured. He's still coming back from that injury. So we'll see exactly what his status is once the season rolls around. But I think camper is one of those guys that again, if everything goes right, is really, really interesting, as is uh, EJ Williams coming over from Clemson, a guy there that we talked about this a lot on the show over the past couple of years. Like they, they basically recruited all these 6'3", 195 guys that did the same exact thing, brought them all in, and none of them were good, and they all had the same <laughs> issue. Like They couldn't run routes, and they really couldn't catch, which are you know kind of Important. cornerstone things that you need for a wide receiver to be good. So... Um, but Williams did flash a little bit when he was there. And if you take him from a Clemson level program to an Indiana level program, there's the potential there to have a guy like that cook for college fantasy purposes. So again, I don't think Williams is rosterable camper could be very fringy, but I think these are guys that if things go right, they're probably going to be a hot free agent item type guys early in the season. Yeah, I agree with Camper. I, I kind of want to hear more about that that injury and how he is coming back before I would roster him. If it's a best ball, I would probably pick him up. Um, but at this point, it's more of a wait-and-see approach for Camper. But out of everybody on this offense, I think Camper offers the most CFF uh, upside here. Let's head over to Iowa, the last of our I schools here in the Big Ten. And you can't say, you can't spell a bad offensive system, isn't it, without I for Iowa. <laughs> and it, I kept saying words and I was like, that doesn't have an I. That doesn't have an I. That doesn't have an I. In it. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I'm British now. Um <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, I'm just going to throw out some names, Colin. You tell me if you think they're interesting or not. Caden McNamara is a new quarterback coming in from Michigan. He's had some choice words from Michigan. Fair, foul, you you want him, you don't want him? Um, I don't want him, but I do think it's actually significant that he is the, the starting quarterback now because I think oh. he is competent. Okay. Um, whereas Spencer Petrus was not. How dare you? Um, Alex Padilla was not. Um, 
So Cade McNamara, I think, is a competent college quarterback. So I think him coming in is significant in terms of this offense functioning at a little bit higher of a level and makes a couple of these other pieces a little bit more intriguing. So I will not roster McNamara. I don't even queue him up in my, you know, notoriously deep cues, but I think it's worth noting. Notorious, notoriously deep cues. Um, <laughs> okay, running back. How about this name for you, Colin? Caleb Johnson survived the running back battle there last year. They had a couple different guys. They had Gavin Williams, who, who since transferred. They have, what, LaShawn Williams. Mm-hmm. And they had Caleb Johnson. It's like a bunch of guys with just nondescript last names. It's like, you know, <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I can't tell. I mean, I can't tell the difference between these dudes. Um, but but Johnson does win the job. They've hyped him up a little this offseason. And they have had some running backs there at Iowa over the past you know, decade plus that have been really interesting, both for college fantasy and then made it to the NFL. In his true freshman year last year, Johnson averaged over five yards a carry, had 779 total rushing yards and six touchdowns. I think the downfall for him might be his work as a receiver, only four for 27 last year. We'll see if he can build on that. But a, a bigger bodied back, I, I've actually bumped him up to the top 30 in my C2C rankings recently. I find him very, very interesting now that they seem like they're committing to him. So I um I, I find him to be fun. Are you drafting him as well? Yeah, I would definitely draft him. I definitely think he's draftable. I think he's a guy that for your college side, you can start him. You're not going to love it. Um, he's not going to he doesn't have a super high ceiling, but I think he's a very high floor. And then in terms of the NFL too, he feels like firmly like a day three running back for me that is going to go to the NFL, get drafted. And then an injury could happen and he could just seize the backfield and just hang on to it. Um, So I am interested in Caleb Johnson as well. Wide receiver. I think they lose, um, um keegan johnson the, 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 thank you keegan i'm singing caleb johnson but we already talked about him keegan johnson <laughs> no relation headed over to kansas state this offseason and so that leaves a little bit of room for maybe somebody sounds like people want that to be caleb burton who was a true freshman four-star last year at ohio state did literally nothing he's a kind of a fun guy because he's really like a yak guy so it's not yeah. even like you really need him to get open or like be good or, you know, like have competent quarterback play or all these other things. Like they might just design some stuff to get him the ball in his hands. Um, I I don't think I would want to roster him. I don't have him ranked right now, but I do think there are scenarios in which he has an okay year. I mean, they're going to throw for less than 2,500 yards. I, yeah. it's just hard to consolidate that much target chick to make somebody fun. Yeah. They're not going to throw the ball a lot. Um, They were 73rd last year, neutral game script pass rate. They were 111th in pace, so it's a slow-moving offense. They do have that clause in um, Kirk Ferentz. What's uh, Brian Ferentz? Brian Ferentz's contract um, uh, where he has to score, was it 24 points per game or something like that? um yeah i'm pretty sure it's the threshold but so but but the thing is that it doesn't delineate between like the offense has to score it and the defense (laughs) has to score and they're good for like a pick six every single game so he really this guy has to score like four two touchdowns a game it's just just bonkers what this guy has to do to keep his job yeah so it they should in theory try to hit that mark which makes them need to throw the ball maybe a little bit more 
Um, and like you said, Burton's not the type of guy that needs to, he's the type of guy who can kind of create for himself. So if they can get the ball in his hands, which I think Kate McNamara can do, Caleb Burton could be uh, mildly intriguing, but I don't think I want to uh, roster him at all. Um, it just, I think a name to be aware of. That's about it. I'm much more interested in the tight ends. Uh, over under half 0.5, uh, 40 plus yard slants to Caleb Burton face of the house next season. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give him, I'm going to give him one. Oh, okay. We're going over. We're going over. I'll take the over. I think he could do that. Okay. You just, you just got to do it once. What they, they usually have a cupcake in the non-con. I mean, they played with South Dakota state, I think last year. South Dakota state's a good team. Yeah, they're, they're better in the bottom of the FBS. I mean, some of them, some some of those tools. Yeah, they would probably beat them. UMass. They could be, they could be, they could beat the bottom, or at least uh, be within a field goal of the bottom 30, 40 teams in the FBS every year. I have very little doubt yeah. that 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 could be the case for them down there in the FCS. Um, tight ends, real quick. I have kind of flipped my stance over the past couple of months, where I, and I still think this is risky. They have Luke Lachey there, who's covering, who's coming over. If you recognize the last name, yes, he is related to who you think he's related to. Um, <laughs> they also brought in Eric All, who's like best friends with Cade McNamara from Michigan. I don't know that Luke Lachey is significantly better than Eric All. In fact, I don't know that he's better than Eric All at all. <laughs> I, I really, really don't. RCFF team seems convinced it's Lachey. And again, we talked. About, I talked a little bit about like. I do not hold a lot of CFF opinions. Like I don't not hold a lot of them closely because I don't know what I'm talking about. I mean, I do, but I don't. This, this, the the CFF guys are just like so convinced this is Lachey, and I'm like, I don't think that this feels like that. That just foregone of a conclusion. I, I, I'm not convinced on this at all. Now, granted, I have been taking a fair amount of Lachey lately at cost, but. I like there's a real chance that Eric all was actually the tight end that we want here this year. They're both fairly athletic. Yeah. I, I feel like this is, I know I've heard some people say like, Oh, this could be like a TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant situation, light situation where both of these guys could have some value. And given the, you know, the tight end landscape, like I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that both of these guys are guys that you could start in some weeks. So I would just I, I I don't have that much of a difference between the two of them. I do probably lean Lachey since he's been there, uh, and Iowa is very much a um, like put in your time and you'll be the next guy up type of a place, and he has put in his time. So I think that's probably why people are leaning Lachey over all the all connection with McNamara. I think could be really interesting. So I, both of these guys are interesting. I would just take the cheapest option really. Uh, and I think both of these guys are people are guys who will play uh, on Sundays or at least be on rosters on Sundays. I could see both Lachey and all getting drafted. Our team will talk to us tomorrow or over the next couple of days about this. And I do find it interesting. Um, half of them have them within a 10 or so of each other uh, in the rankings. And then a couple of them have have them you know 20 plus apart really um and i think i'm closer to for for instance jared uh has uh luke lachey at five 
and Eric all at 16. Um, Chris K has Luke Lachey at six and Eric all at, at 12. Like I, I think those are the margins we're working with. I feel really good about that margin. I feel less good about, um, not to blow up his spot, but he can take it. He's got thick skin. Chris Moxley <laughs> has them at six and 22, Lachey at six and, and all at 22. I just think it's closer than that. I, I really, really do. Um, overall, it looks like we have them at six and 15. And I think, you know, I actually think like nine and 13 is probably like, it's, it's a very, very, it's thin margins. Uh, but if one gets hurt, I think, you know, the other one really, really benefits from that. And that's way too much time to spend yeah. on the Iowa tight end situation. So let's move on here to Maryland. Um, if we're talking about a program that it could be potentially be on the rise offensively in Indiana, I think we have to talk about Maryland as a program that might be dying slowly, but surely they still have Talia there. Tua's Tagovailoa's younger brother. This is his last year of eligibility. He's been around for seemingly forever. I think we all know by now that Talia has some real downsides to his game. You know, he really sucks in immediate <laughs> areas of the field, like historically bad, especially over the middle of the field. But in terms of uh, short and kind of deep stuff to the boundary, he's actually kind of money and really, really interesting. So they have him and then catching passes for him, they lose like their entire wide receiver court. So we're talking Caden Prather. We're talking uh, Octavian Smith, who, who's one of Mike's guys here. There, there's a handful <laughs> of other guys that I think are uh, Marcus Fleming, I believe, is still there. Like there, there's some some players, some bodies there, but nobody that's that's as good as they have had the past couple of years. So, I mean, passing attack wise, Colin, what are you thinking here? I think this offense is going to be really interesting this year. They bring in Josh Gaddis and Kevin Sumlin as co-offensive coordinators. And I think these guys are pretty like, I don't want to say they're diametrically opposite, but I, they have fairly different philosophies. Like Josh Gaddis became, you know, he was at Michigan uh, for a couple of years. Then he was at uh, my Miami last year, slower paced, seems to want to run the ball a little bit more. Whereas Kevin Sumlin, uh, like he was at Houston then Texas A&M for a while and then Arizona uh, and all of those places, he ran a decent amount of plays. He ran like a little bit more of an up-tempo offense. Uh, and, you know, the pass rate fluctuated a little bit, but typically was, you know, a, a decent pass rate. So these guys are two fairly opposite sides of the coin. So I'll be really interested to see how this offense functions. I think I would want Prather out of this room. I think Prather could be interesting. I mean, we've seen Talia, you know, provide some fantasy relevant wide receivers before. And he's had some fantasy relevant weeks as himself. Like I think Talia is worth rostering, um, you know, especially for some of those easier games that they get. Like I, you, you're going to know with Talia, you're going to know when to start him and when to not start him. Like that's one of the benefits of having Talia. And then consequently, if you have Prather, you're going to know when to start him and you're going to know when to not start him. So I think that makes Prather pretty interesting too. And I think Prather is an NFL level guy. Now, probably more day three and we'll see what he ends up ever doing. But I, I do think he'll make an NFL roster. Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't have... Uh... 
I don't, I don't have a strong opinion on Caden Prather's NFL potential. And quite frankly, I don't feel great projecting him in 2023. I, he could be a post type guy. I mean, West Virginia just collapsed last year. So who knows? Uh, new, new spot, new school here could do him some good. Talia, I do think it's drafted just because I honestly, I think because of what his last name is. <laughs> I really, yeah. honestly, I mean, the NFL is drafted. He seems like a sixth, for seventh less. round pick. Yeah, he's he's late, late, late guy. He's not going to go round two or anything. But um, I, I, whatever, whatever. You know, I think you should definitely have him because he could be a, a decent CFF option. But I do think that people are slightly, at least some of the folks that like him, are ignoring the, like, for a lot of these quarterbacks, you can say, oh, they lose all their 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 receivers, but the system is so good that it's going to keep them afloat or vice versa, the, the system there isn't good and the receivers there aren't good. Like this could be a chance for Talia to just completely fall off the map. So I'm not buying him actually at all this offseason unless he just falls really, really, really far. The running back room I do think is fun because they have Roman Hemby who broke out last year, came out of nowhere, and I think he's definitely a really good college back. I... I'm kind of interested in Debbie, but uh, and for Debbie purposes, we'll see. They also had Ramon Brown, who I loved last year. Didn't get a lot of run last year. It seems like the staff wants to use one back more than 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 two. So this is probably Hemby's job. I think Brown is droppable if you really need a roster spot. Yeah, that was going to be my question for you here. I put a question mark on that with Ramon Brown. I I think I'm with you as well. I, I would drop him at this point because you know Hemby sees that job last year he is i don't think he's a guy who leaves early so he has multiple years uh we'll see again you know how good this offense is but i, I think it's going to be hemby brown would probably have to transfer to to really get some value and that's tough to bet on so i'm with you i would probably drop brown if a if i needed somebody um you know if i needed to free up a roster spot for a supplemental or something you put Deitches on here, their tight end. <laughs> He's a wide receiver slash tight end type of a guy, which is intriguing a little bit. Okay. I, I, I kind of like those wide receiver tight end hybrid type guys. It's the only reason I've I've listed him on here. We shall see. Our our uh, our CFF team has him at eleven, which I find really, really interesting. That's that feels than I was expecting. Yeah, that feels a little rich to me, but they probably know something I don't. So, um, I'm not, he doesn't feel like a guy that I'm super interested in because it feels like he's going to give moderately replaceable run, uh, tight end production as is how the tight end position typically works. So, uh, moral of the story, he's probably rosterable, but not a guy that I am clamoring for Michigan fresh off the playoff here this past year and a, a tough playoff loss at that two years in a row actually they've lost uh in the first round of the playoff haven't made it back to the national championship game yet they have those hopes this year and i think a big reason for that outside of the running back room is that they believe that jj mccarthy is ready to take the next step this will be his third year in college former uh five-ish star kind of guy <laughs> out of img academy i don't remember if he was a consensus or not um, he has been fine the past couple of years, but he definitely has had his moments where he struggled. Uh, in fact, in my opinion, offensively, 
he cost them. That's kind of harsh. But I, I do think that if he had played better, they'd probably win that game against TCU last year. Through a couple of really costly I don't think that's that harsh. I think that's pretty accurate, to be honest. I think okay. most people would agree with that. Cool. Yeah, I mean, just uh, 2,700 yards last year, 22 touchdowns, five interceptions. Uh, didn't technically win the job until, what, the second or third game or, or whatever. <laughs> Matt's um, comment on uh, that Big Ten preview show where he <laughs> said he didn't win the job until Hawaii which is technically correct. Yeah, it's just so stupid how they handled that. Yes. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I know some folks think that J.J. McCarthy has a ton of NFL upside, and I'm not saying that there's zero chance that it happens, but having watched him for the past couple of years and having a formed opinion of what he was coming out of high school, I still don't think that he's – I think he's going to struggle adjusting to the NFL early. Yeah, I, I believe that. I, I think he's more of like a second round, maybe an early second round quarterback, but a second round quarterback. Um, I think I know they say they want to let this loose a little bit more and throw the ball a little bit more with McCarthy. And but I don't think they're just, I don't think they're going to have to, honestly, in, in a lot of games. Uh, they're going to have positive game scripts in a lot of games. Their defense is going to be good again going to put them in situations where they get up and they can just kind of run the ball and run the clock down so i am not on board with mccarthy as this you know high-end cff guy or like a heisman candidate like i just don't think they're going to need to use him that way and you know maybe in a couple of those games where in ohio state or in penn state you know assuming penn state doesn't get run all over again um or in the playoff, if, if Michigan does make it to the playoff again for the third year in a row, maybe that's the time where they have to let him loose a little bit. And maybe he could have a Heisman moment in there or something. But I think just overall throughout the course of the season, they're going to be able to run this ride, this ground game. And, you know, I, so I don't buy the hype that they're going to just let this loose, let him loose this season. Maybe there's a slight uptick in passing volume, but I don't think it's going to be anything really notable. Um, it's tough. I mean, yeah, I, I, I think he's a day two guy. I really think he's a day two guy. Um, I, you hear the stuff. Yeah. You do they air it out more this year? I'm skeptical. I don't think he's a guy that I want to start week in week out. I, I have seen the CFB winning edge projections for this year. His numbers were good, not amazing. So we we'll see. I, I have a feeling that he feels like a guy that's a really expensive roster clogger, in my opinion. Not a guy that I, I literally don't have him on a single roster. I don't either. Is there anybody behind him currently on the roster? I think I've seen some people hype up Alex, Alex Orgy, who for the record here at C2C, I don't know if this was ever a super public opinion because we talked a lot about this behind closed doors and i don't even know if he made the guide last year after he switched from virginia tech think he did to michigan on signing day or, or right around signing day we loved alex orgy last year as like a guy to just go in a wreck at a virginia tech because you could let yeah. him <laughs> be bad for like six games and kind of learn how to play college football and figure it out this dude's like basically He's, he's like Marcus Vick, essentially. Yeah. Like, I don't want to call him Michael, but Marcus, if people remember, his younger brother was actually insanely good at Virginia Tech, too. Marcus was an idiot. I don't think Orgy is like that. Um, go search Marcus Vick if you're too young to remember him, like, flashing a gun at a bunch of kids in a Burger King or McDonald's drive. <laughs> One of the two. Parking lot or something. <laughs> yeah. The dude was just a total You're jackass. splitting hairs there. It's flashing um, gun at a, yeah. at a kid. Yeah. Not, not good either way. Um, 
I, he could have done that. He's going to Michigan now. It feels hard to believe that he ever takes that job. I've seen some people be getting excited for him this year. I do think it's likely that he competes with um, uh, bu- 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 the kid, the freshman they have coming Carr. in. CJ oh. Carr. Is it CJ Carr? Or no, he's oh, going to Notre Carr's Dame. Going to Notre Dame. Um, Jaden Davis. Jaden Davis. Thank you. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking Jaden Daniels, and I knew that wasn't right. Yes, Jaden Davis, who for – and again, so – Two things on the record here. One, we really liked Alex Orgy last year, but at a smaller program, Michigan feels too big for him. Yeah. But he was a guy that we actually heavily talked about last cycle. Davis is overrated. We do not <laughs> like Davis. We do not value Jaden Davis. This is a kid who has a lot of hype because when he was in like ninth grade, he was starting and playing pretty well. He hasn't gotten any better. He was not good at Elite 11 this year. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's actually not very good at Michigan. Uh, quite frankly, even though he's still like, I think I don't think he's a five star anymore. I think he's dropped to a four star. And I think he'll keep dropping. I just don't see anything there that he's uber conservative, not a great arm, doesn't really want to like to move and, and move and throw. This isn't a guy that's super interesting. So I think after McCarthy leaves, they're going to have some issues trying to figure out who the next guy is there. Maybe a transfer portal type location. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I feel like I agree with you. I think Michigan is too big of a step for orgy orgy is a guy that I did like when he was going to go to Virginia tech. Um, so, and then I, I have not watched the 2024 recruiting class yet, so I can't really comment too much on Jaden Davis, but I do value um, what our recruiting team says and they're not very high on Davis. So this does really feel like a transfer destination for me. I feel like they're going to go out and they're going to get a veteran guy, you know, like obviously he's going to be off to the NFL, but like a Devin Leary caliber of a player feels like mm, somebody that yeah. they're going to go get, you know, somebody who is just is kind of fine. You know, he's not going to hurt you. That's how because... I've been described. <laughs> kind of fine. <laughs> not going to hurt you. That's actually my Tinder profile. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's just move into the running back. Well, that's all we get out of that. Okay, fine. We'll, we'll go to the running backs. Um, I was I was not expecting that. <laughs> Blake Corum. Um, we talked about him a little last week with Noah, who stopped by. Man, if you want to talk about how varied opinions are on JJ McCarthy, I think the gap is even wider. The range is even wider on what you're going to hear about Blake Quorum. There's some people that think he's a early second round talent. There are people that think he's undraftable and there's like everything in between. We're definitely closer to the middle of that spectrum. Colin, you're, (laughs) you're higher on him than I am, but as long as he's healthy and like the the injury last year does not bother me at all. Actually, like that is the, the bottom of my concern, like it's not even on my concern list for Blake Corm, quite frankly. Like, just yeah, it was a like he's healthy, it wasn't a huge issue, he's gonna be fine. I think the bigger issues for Corum long term are that, as we talked about last week, and we've actually heard from a couple different people that we know that would know, Blake Corum is not 5'9, he's shorter by like over an inch, and he's listed. Well, Dane Brugler had him at 219, he's like. 205 miles or lower than that he's not he's not that big of a guy so size is a concern he does have donovan edwards breathing down his neck for fantasy purposes so while i think he rushes for a lot of yardage and can obviously score a good amount of touchdowns 
He's not going to get the receiving work. Edwards is going to soak that up. And I do think that touch split is closer this year than it was last year, presuming both are healthy. So he's just a very tough guy for me to exactly figure out how to rank him. I think I have him in the early 30s overall in my C2C running backs because personally I am valuing him only as a CFF asset right now. I we, We've had this conversation yes. multiple times. So I'm not going to gonna beat get, the horse to death. Yeah. yeah, we don't need to beat this horse to death here, but I think he is going to be a CFF starter this year for you i think you is he going to be the um potential league winner that he was last year up until that injury probably not but i think he's going to be a very steady starter for your cff squad this year again especially like i said given the negative game script and everything Devi value i think he, there is some there now whether he can be successful at the nfl level um I am not sold on that yet. I think that I do think the NFL is going to like him. Dane Brugler coming out and having him ranked as his top running back. Does um, that make you nervous at all? The fact that his measurements for him in this ranking were just completely wrong. <laughs> Way like, off. That should be concerning if bit. you're like, it, Dane it Brugler is, had him one, but he's got him listed 20 pounds heavier and two inches higher, like bigger than he is. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a concern. Yeah, it is. But we, we, we did hear some legitimate day two buzz from him last year as well. There were some, you know, we'll see what would have happened in the offseason process. We'll see that play out this year. Um, I, he's a senior bowl guy. I, I, I would bet money that he's going to be at the senior bowl if he wants to go. Um, so he'll have an opportunity to improve his stock. I still think he's going to get drafted on day two. But that doesn't always necessarily mean that they're going to be fantasy relevant for your NFL squad. I lean a little bit further away from that. I don't think he's going to be a uh, he's not a guy who's going to lead a backfield at the NFL level. I think he could have some fantasy relevancy at the NFL level, but I don't think it's anything that I really want to invest too highly in. Um, so CFF, I, I lean a little bit more towards the CFF than the Debbie side of things. But again, I do think he gets drafted on day two still. Um. I do not, but you already have a bet on this with Matthew Bruni. So uh, I don't want to get I don't want to get you sucked into another one. Don't want to bankrupt you uh, <laughs> on all these bets. Donovan Edwards, we talked. I, I briefly mentioned him is the nominal backup, but really it's a one A one B situation here. Edwards feels to me, and I, this is not a just a me argument. There are a lot of people that think this that he is the better NFL prospect because even if he has some issues rushing between the tackles, which he has so far over the past couple of years, um, has flashed a little bit, but but hasn't been totally convincing there. But he could he could be a guy that catches thirty five to forty passes this year. Like he is nominally their their wide receiver one, essentially. He is their best receiving weapon on an entire roster. Um he's over 200 pounds, he's six foot, he's got some frame. I think he can hit 210 if he wants it. He'll test pretty well. So I think just in terms of I, I think the NFL will like him more uh than Corum. This is a very classic and very someone will clip this. This is a very obvious situation to me. Like I just think it's so obvious that he's the better NFL prospect of the two. Like not even, 
you look at, at everything outside of just like everything that actually matters for the NFL, like productivity in college is cool for us for C2C, but like eventually that, that ends and they got to go to the NFL and for the value that these guys are drafting at, like you have to care about that. I just think Edwards NFL teams are going to, are they're going to just way prefer him. Like I, I, there's no doubt in my mind here. Honestly, I just, this just feels very, very obvious to me. I am not as high on Edwards for NFL um, potential as other people are. And I do still have him ranked like in my top 10 um, of running backs or no, I think he's outside of my top 10. Um, I believe he is, let me pull it up here quick. Um, He is 10th. He is my RB 10. That's more of an indictment on the rest of the college football landscape right now in terms of the running backs. I think it's a little, it's very up in the air right now. So I'm not all that sold on Michigan or on um, Donovan Edwards being like a, a slam dunk, like NFL guy. I, I really, I do really like the pass catching ability, but I, I mean, he's, he's a little thin at six, one, two Oh four. Um, you know, two or four is not bad, but he's a little thin. I, I don't know if he can just handle a workload himself. And I also don't think he's that great rushing between the tackles. Um, he's a guy that, you know, he gets, he's a guy that kind of seems like the two yards, three yards, three yards, 30 yards. He's like one of those types, which, it, you know, some of them can be successful. Saquon kind of does that same thing, but I don't know. I'm a little bit lower on Edwards, uh, which is, is probably part of the reason I'm a little bit higher on Corum. Like I think Edwards will be drafted in the NFL, and I think he will have a role, especially given his pass catching ability. But I don't think he's a you know lead back in the NFL either. The problem is that I don't think Corum can play a one B, and I think that Edwards can very very well. Yeah, yeah, and that's just really what it boils down to. But I know that our opinions of Corum differ, and are not going to change as we sit here and discuss. So it's it's ultimately. Um, fruitless there. We wrote down future of the room here as well. And I think there's no one on this team that we like as much as these guys moving forward. But I do think there are some somewhat talented players that, that potentially should be rostered as stash guys, Benjamin Hall. We're a little lower on him. He had the good spring, but again, I think it, uh, it feels to me like that team, the scheme that they're running can basically get anybody um some some decent uh, production through through the through the running back so um benjamin hall profited based on everybody being out for that game but i don't think he's a star by any chance they do have cj stokes um i think he's going to get surpassed a little bit here over the next couple of years they also have cool cabana who's an undersized guy coming in in this freshman class should definitely be rostered can be the new Donovan Edwards, but he, in my opinion, he's just too small. I don't think he quite has the Edwards uh, upside moving forward. Um, I, really, the crown jewel for them moving forward is going to be Jordan Marshall, who's going to be a true freshman in 2024. Um, and I think he's, he, I don't know, an intriguing guy. But again, not a guy that I'm in love with. But that that's kind of just the, the, the four guys that are going to be competing for the two or so spots there over the next couple of years, if you're looking for who the next guy up is. Yeah, I don't know. This also feels like maybe a situation where they bring in a transfer again, to be honest, maybe similar to like the quarterback room, because uh, I'm not all that high on, you know, the rest of these guys. Now, Michigan's system has made it work with guys like 
Hassan Haskins, um, Chris Evans. So and I don't think, you know, Benjamin Hall is significantly worse than those guys. I think Cole Cabana, like you talked about, I, he's not the type of guy who's going to lead a backfield either. He's more of a, a 1B type of a guy, I think. So maybe it's Benjamin Hall. If I had to put money on somebody being, you know, CFF be relevant out of that group. But again, I also feel like this could be a transfer situation. Oh, interesting. I hadn't considered that. I don't know. Michigan doesn't feel like a hugely interesting transfer portal spot now on offense because they aren't. It sounds like from what I've heard, and someone will correct me for sure, uh, but they don't sound they're that deep into the NIL game, at least attracting guys out of the portal. Um, and quite frankly, the running backs have been productive, but I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't feel like a sexy spot uh, to me. Wide receivers, it sounds like Cornelius Johnson could be the leading guy there, but I think he's borderline. The real guy that I think people are targeting is Colston Loveland at tight end just because the tight end position is so scarce. He's a little undersized. So I'm curious as to what his long-term upside is, but he should definitely be rostered in C2Cs. He's a top 10-ish tight end, depending on uh, what rankings you're looking at. And I think he is a, or has the potential to be a fun player there at Michigan this year. Cool. Moving on. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't really have a lot to, to add about of Loveland. Um, I mean, we have uh, – the projection guys put him at, what, like three touchdowns this year? Yeah. Just because I don't think there's going to be a ton of passing touchdowns. Uh, I still think this is going to be mostly a rushing uh, offense. Uh, Michigan State, little brother. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> we talked about this recently on a show – I am not buying a single player on Michigan State's offense until I've seen it moving forward. If you think about Michigan State over the past couple of years, what have they, what have they, I mean, I think last year they kind of fell apart, but the pieces were still kind of there. They had Jaden Reed and Keon Coleman at wide receiver. Reed's now in the NFL as a day two guy. Coleman has moved to Florida State. We talked about him last episode. If you want to go listen to our thoughts on Coleman, their starting quarterback over the past couple of years, Peyton Thorne, while not, Really, a guy that we were excited for for fantasy purposes was competent. He has now left. There's literally zero experience on this roster. We're talking Noah Kim. Shout out to Barnabas, who yeah. shouted him out on this episode last year. You've got Katten Hauser, who's a second-year quarterback there. You've got true freshman Sam Levitt, who's probably the most talented guy of the, the group, but I don't think they're going to trust a true freshman. The running backs, they lost Kenneth Walker two years ago, have not replaced him adequately. They've basically whiffed on everybody they've tried to bring in on that front. Like, this is just a team. uh, I I don't know. I don't know. They have Antonio Gates' kid there at wide receiver. I'm not interested in him. They have Malik Carr at tight end, another kind of athletic guy, but I can find that anywhere. Like, I'm just looking at this Michigan State roster and saying, offensively, what do they want to do next year? Who's Who on this team is good enough to be the guy that gets the ball? to just make one guy interesting. I don't see a single guy here that does that. No, I really don't either. Um, I I'm with you. I I think this is more of a wait and see approach. Um, You know, Sam Levitt is a guy that we liked um, in the process, in the recruiting process. And I still think he's pretty talented, but overall, I, I, again, I don't know what this offense is going to look like. And I don't know how good this offense is going to be. There's not a lot of other pieces around him. So 
he would really need to elevate uh, the entire offense and, and um, some subpar pieces for this, for him to retain some CFF value and for this offense to have much value. Uh, I'm not sure Noah Kim can do that. I think Noah Kim could be okay starting. Like, I don't think Michigan State's going to bottom out um, and just, you know, be a, a I, I don't think they're going to be terrible, but I don't think they're going to be great. So there's not a lot of guys on this offense that I'm all that interested in. Running back, Nathan Carter is a guy that I had to cues, but I haven't drafted him anywhere. No, Nathan Carter, UConn transfer, um, by the way. Not a lot of players that I think are so good that they'll step out of the, I don't know, the quagmire that is the Michigan State offense this year. I just... Michigan State fans can send me all the hate mail they want. I don't care. I don't care. I'm not buying your offense until I see it. Minnesota. You want to talk about players that I'm not buying right now? Uh, Ethan <laughs> Kaliak Manis, the Greek rifle, is a guy that I need to see it before I believe it. Um, quite frankly, this dude was was terrible in the spring game. And again, we're not taking wholesale opinions from the spring games. We talked about why on the show plenty of times in the past but this dude was not good last season it was not good in the spring he's very raw it's not like minnesota is this offense that i just think is gold for developing guys i um i'm not big on kelly commandments this year yeah i'm not either and i think that really dings the rest of the receiving core for me too which really stinks because they have some really interesting pieces in that wide receiver room they bring in elijah spencer from charlotte who was one of the more efficient wide receivers last year um you know he was very good down down the field i think he's a really interesting piece they bring in Corey crooms from western michigan who was pretty solid last year as well so i like both of those guys as players and i like chris ottman bell as a player as well but if they don't have a quarterback who can get them the ball, I, you know, how interested in these guys are we? And I am, yeah, I, man, I don't know. I, 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 I go back and forth on whether to draft Spencer at times. And I think I pulled the trigger once, but again, if, if I think Kelly Manis isn't good, then how much do we want any of these passing options? Um, yeah, I, I'm not super interested in them. I am partially interested in the running backs here. Sean Tyler, undersized transfers in, um, Zach Evans, Taylor behind him. Any thoughts? I feel like they brought in Sean Tyler and from Western Michigan and, you know, this staff, like they, they just brought him in. So I think it's interesting. Um, and I think he, but I think he's a little undersized to be the type of bell cow that they have traditionally used in the past, which is then where I lean a little bit more towards Zach Evans, but I don't think we're going to see this bell cow usage like we had last year and the past couple of years with, um, with Mo Ibrahim. So Zach Evans is a guy that I have rostered in a couple of places. I do like Evans. Uh, he reportedly looked pretty good in the spring game. But I also have no idea what this offense is going to look like this year. Uh, they have co-OCs, Matt Simon and Greg Harbaugh Jr. Um, so 
I don't know. Greg Harbaugh Jr. was a guy that they had on the team last year. He was like a tight end coach. So maybe he tries to keep things kind of the same. Um, but I don't really know what this offense is going to look like. So I'm, I don't think Minnesota is going to be that great next year to, to be in like positive game scripts that we're going to like Evans or Tyler. Tight end, Brevin Span Ford. Um, he's big. He's, uh, man, I don't know exactly how to label him athletic. Like, amazing. He's not amazing. He's, he's, he's a good athlete. Um, probably rosterable. And again, one of these leagues where you don't have an anchor tight end and you're, you've got four, five, six on your roster just looking to, to mix and match something. Does that, that feel right for you? Yes. But he's a guy that I think could provide, you know, some interesting value because they use him, um, running the ball a little bit they use him in some interesting ways which could help him to be a little bit more fantasy relevant um but he's not a guy that i'm excited about um i like you said if if i don't have like a bully tight end you know and i want like a stable of guys like he's a guy that i would put in that stable nebraska the new intriguing team here in the conference Matt Rule coming in from the NFL failed there, but uh, people forget how successful he was in college. And I think he can be one of those guys that just bounces back into college and is successful again. Jeff Sims, a quarterback, failed at Georgia Tech. We've talked about him on, like really not a lot this year, but in the past, we kind of said, you know, this guy really hasn't improved at all. He's still all legs. He's still making really questionable decisions out there. Really hasn't been development, but I do think that Matt Rule can get the best out of him at Nebraska. He's probably again, a, a, we a kind of guy that I want is like my fifth or sixth starting quarterback on a team. But I do think there are some upside here for him to do some fun things, depending on who the opponent is any given week. Yeah, he's a, he could be a fun quarterback. He's got the legs, which helps, you know, provide a lot of fantasy value. Um, Matt rule is a head coach. He is a fairly like, middle of the pack in terms of plays per game his pass rate his number one wide receiver um, points per game his number one running back points per game his efficiency metrics they've all been pretty up and down throughout his career so i don't think this is going to be uh, a great offense this year i'm not really a huge jeff sims guy again his legs could make him fun but uh, I, I don't think he's that great. The only guy that I'm, there's two guys you have one in bold and I'll, we'll, we'll talk about him then. Um, and then Gabe Irvin has been getting some hype. Um, and he's a guy that we liked before with a new staff, you know, maybe he can earn some favor with them. And I, I think he could be intriguing as well. So I I'm interested in Gabe Irvin. Like you said, with Jeff Sims, if he's like my fifth or sixth quarterback, like that's fine. But, um, I'm not overly excited about Sims. It's still a little unclear who the running back is going to be, but it sounds like they are pretty happy with what Gabe Irvin's been doing this offseason from a work perspective, you know, putting in the time um, to to kind of go and take that job. Irvin got this job as a true freshman a couple of years ago and then lost it uh, through injury. So Anthony Grant and a couple other guys kind of floated around as that starter last year, Ramir Johnson uh, and some others. But I really do think it's going to come down to Irvin and Grant this year. I'm not 
rushing to grab either of them in drafts, but if one of them ends up taking this job, they could be pretty fun. Yeah, I, I think it is going to be be Irvin. Like that's the guy that I kind of uh, lean towards here. Like I said, new staff, so it sounds like he's earning some favor with them. Wide receivers. Um, I wrote in all caps: Malachi Coleman, gimme, gimme. Um, I do think that Nebraska is building towards something, and it's going to take a year or two to get there. Which is why I'm interested in a guy like Coleman, who I think can break the year one zero. He can be explosive this year. He can step in and have three to five hundred yards. You know that that solid freshman year, and then they have a couple four stars coming in next year, so they can kind of build around him. But I do think he's uh, fun and interesting, and I think he's definitely a a on a fourth or fifth round supplemental guy. And then startups, he's tough to value in startups. It really depends what yeah. the build is of your roster. But I do think he's a really fun, good athletic high upside guy yeah this was definitely a good get for nebraska to bring him in like that was a a, a win for them in recruiting this offseason in their first offseason to bring in coleman because you said he's a fun athletic guy uh I, I think he could be really fun in this offense they don't have a lot of other guys in this offense in, in the wide receiver room that i think are particularly good um, Billy Kemp comes over from Virginia. I don't think he's great, but I think he's the type of guy who could be interesting, at least for fantasy purposes. Um, but that's really the only other guy that I would want out of that receiver room. It's it's Malachi Coleman. And then I, I took Billy Kemp in like a best ball um, where I, I needed like a, a wide receiver. I needed like another guy who was like a wide receiver and he kind of like another running back to feel good about my team. And he has dual position eligibility. So I took him. Tight end, Thomas Fedone had a lot of hype. He's injured knees consecutive years. Eric Gilbert is also there. Um, I don't know. This feels like a fantasy graveyard for some of these guys. And I feel bad because I think they're guys that we both liked, but for different reasons, just haven't lived up to expectations. Yeah, I'm not all that interested in Fedone. Just too many knee injuries. I liked him when he was coming out, but... Uh, that many knee injuries scares me. Eric Gilbert, if I have him, I'm not cutting him because of what he can be, but I think we're pretty far away from what he can be. Um, that that freshman season that he had at LSU is pretty far in the rearview mirror at this point. Uh, so I'm not actively drafting Gilbert. Except if I have him and I don't feel like I need to cut him, I'll hold him, but that's about it. I would love to see a roster that somebody feels like they don't have to cut Eric Gilbert. Um, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Northwestern's next up here, and they're really, really nice to us because we don't have to talk about them at all. Yeah. I wrote I, Cam Porter down here on the list, but at running back, I don't think he's rosterable. This team's going to stink this year. They're going to be a dumpster fire. Yeah. A whole lot of turnover. Coaching staff's leaving. We don't even know what the fallout's going to be. Do yourself a favor. Don't draft any Northwestern players this year. Agreed. Moving on. Ohio State's next. So thank you. Now we can use double the time for Ohio State. Um, it's funny because I actually think like they're they're way more interesting than Michigan, but they're less controversial. So I don't even know if we'll spend yeah. more time on Ohio State than we spent on Michigan. Like it's just kind of, you know, no, no brainer discussions here. 
First one is CJ Stroud. Obviously, he's out the door. He's got drafted early in the NFL draft here by the Texans. So it's Kyle McCord. It sounds like he's going to step in. There's still some folks that are pulling for Devin Brown, think that he could potentially get the job. He missed a spring game with a finger injury, and he is back throwing. He was back throwing very shortly after that spring game. Man, I think McCord, unless he's really bad this year, maintains the starting position. And I think the tweak that gets made if he's not amazing is they just run the ball a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. I could see them run the ball a little bit, a little bit more um, if he's not amazing, but I think Kyle McCord is the type of guy who's going to be like competent. And I think that's what scares me the most, honestly, is a situation where Kyle McCord is competent, but not great. Doesn't really blow the doors off in terms of like CFF value, you know, it's, and then he doesn't have a great year. So he decides he wants to come back and then that tanks Devin Brown. Then what does he do? So I think the worst case scenario for this offense is Kyle McCord is just decent. And I really oddly enough feels like that's kind of the, the direction that that's trending. And I say the worst thing for this offense, the worst thing for this quarter quarterback room is that Kyle McCord is just decent. Yeah. Um, what's Devin's Brown, Devin Brown's value, assuming he doesn't get the job this year? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that McCord gets this. I think there's still like a 10% chance Brown could uh, eke it out in fall camp. Um, but it is really feeling like it's not. It really feels like it's going to be McCord. So if Brown doesn't get that, you just have to hold it. I mean, there's a lot of potential with Brown. He's kind of like a gunslinger. He's got some mobility with his legs. He's got a good arm. Um, but at this at that point, if he doesn't get the job, you've been holding him for two years with nothing. And like I said, there's a possibility that McCord's just decent and comes back. And then what? Do you, what about Brown? So then that's does he stay? Because then that's three years. So. Or do you have to rely on a transfer, which that's never fun. So Devin Brown is one of, if not the hardest player to value right now, because the ceiling is there. And the floor is also bottom, like it could bottom out. Running backs. Um, I think there are a lot of questions here. Travion Henderson went from a guy that was just a no brainer top five pick in startups last year to a guy that really goes anywhere in the first three rounds and it doesn't shock you depending on who the crowd is that's drafting in that particular draft. I still have a lot of faith in Travion and I do think he can rebound this year. I push back on the thought of him being soft. I do think there he's a, he's a bit of a finesse runner and I think there's a difference between being a finesse runner and being soft. You know, he's going to be a difference maker in the receiving game if a team wants yeah. him. They didn't let him do that last year. I think that hurt our perception of him a little bit. He's not going to be a guy that you're just running up the gut 25 times a game, quite frankly. Um, but I do think there are a few warts here, and this is what I always said a couple years ago when it was the Travion versus Bijan debate, was that I think Bijan can make every run that Travion can, and I don't know that the that the, the opposite was true, that Travion can make all those runs that Bijan does, You know, running through tackles that low center of gravity, that just strong lower half. But I do still think he can be a top 50 pick in the NFL draft. And I still think he can be 
a if his receiving floor goes back to 25 to 30 catches, then I think we're talking about a guy that has low end RB2 potential for college fantasy this year, even if it's a fairly hefty split between him and some of the other guys here, Mayan Williams, Dallin Hayden, Evan Pryor, et cetera. Yeah, I I think the Travion hype has really cooled and now it's kind of almost the pendulum has kind of almost swung the other way where the newer and a little bit more exciting names are getting put over Travion. Um, and we're kind of forgetting about how good he was that freshman year. And we're forgetting about how athletic he is and how good of a receiver he is. I, I don't think I'm going to want to start him at any point this year for CFF. Um, I, I, I'm worried about the touch split. I'm worried about the receiving, uh, workload, like you were talking about, but I still, I agree with you. I think he can still be a top 50 pick. I think the NFL is still going to like this guy. And so I'm not, I think I have him as my RB three. Now I did put, um, Singleton and Sanders ahead of him. Um, but I still do really like Travion. He's not like a borderline tier zero guy. Like we thought maybe he could get to, but he's still a mm-hmm. tier one running back for me. Yeah, I believe we comped him. Like we said, like I said last year, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I said like at the risk of sounding like a jerk, there's a legitimate chance in five years that we're like, this dude is basically a Danian Tomlinson all over again. Like they're really <laughs> like, I was like, I just, this guy was amazing as a freshman. He has a 80 to hundred catch upside in the NFL he just shredded everybody as a freshman there. Like, and then that last year happened. I don't want that to color too much of what I think of him because I think yeah. injuries and things like that aren't generally speaking projectable year to year. And he had some weird stuff going on last year. So yeah. not going to ding him too much. I still have him top three or four running backs overall in college football for C2C purposes. I mentioned those other guys, Mayan Williams, Hayden Pryor, Chip Trainum is there. For whatever that's worth, he was a running back at Arizona State that I loved. Played well, and then was just like, I'm going to go play linebacker at Ohio State. We were all yeah. like, oh, that sucks. But now he's back with the running back. So I don't, I don't exactly know what happened, but it's a pre- actually a pretty full running back room. I think it's really, really interesting. Um, I am, don't let anybody tell you otherwise, the highest tier at C2C on Mayan Williams. Um, <laughs> but In rankings. Interest- yes, but there are some interesting players here. Yeah, I think top to bottom, this is honestly probably the most talented running back room in the country. Um, just this room goes five deep. Um, Travion, Mayan Williams is a guy that I am not the biggest fan of in terms of NFL potential. Like he's a bowling ball with legs, but he's not a, he's not super athletic. He's not going to win very many foot races. He doesn't catch very many passes. He just feels like a, a battering ram type guy. And those guys are becoming less and less common in the NFL. Um, you know, they're, they're more and more replaceable. So he feels like a guy who could get drafted in like the f- earlier fourth round and then has like two or three big games as a, fre- as a rookie because somebody got hurt ahead of him. And then he just fades into obscurity. That feels like what's going to happen with Mayan Williams for me. He'll be on a roster, but I don't know how much I'm going to want to own him at the NFL level. But then you have the other guys like Evan Pryor, this guy we really liked. He's in the same class as Travion. 
phenomenal pass catcher as a running back. Like we thought Travion was good. Evan Pryor was really good at coming out of high school. We just haven't seen it because he's been hurt constantly. If you had again gun to your head, you can only choose one. We're making you making you pick, but it's a lot more interesting than the, the Illinois choice that we had there earlier. You can only pick one non-Travion running back to roster. Who is it? It's Dallin Hayden. Uh, and it's not even particularly that close for me because is that, because, is that a cost proposition or just basically you know talent no matter what you'd rather have a little bit of everything honestly cost proposition future value proposition because Travion and Mayan I think are gone after this year so then I think Dallin Hayden's going to step in and be the guy next year where the room's a little bit lighter um, it, it, there's still some other guy you know Evan Pryor and Chip Chip Trainum I think Chip will still be there. Um, so those guys are still there. So it's not like Dallin Hayden's going to become a workhorse all of a sudden, but I think he'll be the lead guy next year. And I, I liked Dallin Hayden's talent coming out. My worry was just how loaded this room was, but then we saw him actually play last year and be good. So it kind of assuaged my concerns with him. So yeah, it's, it's Dallin Hayden and it's not super close. I think Dallin Hayden is one of the biggest values right now. Um, let's go to wide receiver. I think this is where we just talked about how loaded the running back room is. This is probably the most talented position group on the team. Yeah. Um, and just for the record, we also, we didn't talk about Lincoln Kineholes earlier in the show. We've talked about him a little bit recently running our quarterbacks. So you have to project at least two years out, even if they're pretty talented, we're not super interested in rostering for C2C yeah. purposes. Um, the wide receiver group. I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr., Emekic Buka, I think consensus-wise, everybody except for a certain player's dad, they are wide receiver one and wide receiver two for the 2024 draft class. I don't know that we really need to say that much more about that. No. Like, really, there, there's not just there's not much to talk about. It's not a sexy topic at this point. No, they're both going to be CFF studs this year. Uh, they were last year. We have no reason to think they're not going to be again this year. I think they're going to be the next two in a long line of um, Ohio State first round wide receivers. So, yeah, I don't think we need to go too in depth on these two. Uh, Julian Fleming is, you know, in name, the wide receiver three. We'll see if he can stay healthy. And quite frankly, I just don't think he's super talented. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have anything to add to him. He's not a guy, again, I don't have him rostered anywhere. I just don't find him particularly interesting. He might yeah. actually get overdrafted by the NFL next year, but like that's still just, I mean, this, just we're just going to have the same discussion that we've had about Terrace Marshall and all these other guys. Like, this is not a good, this is not a, a, a NFL high quality player. Yeah, I, I agree with you on Fleming. Not a guy I have rostered, not a guy I really want. Um, yeah, technically he's the wide receiver three in that room, but he's had a really hard time staying healthy consistently and we'll talk about the future of the room here in a minute it would really wouldn't surprise me if even if he is healthy we start to see these other guys just chip away and eat hit to his playing time and it's kind of a rotation at the wide receiver three position again even if Fleming does manage to stay healthy this year which he has not shown to be able to do so far throughout his career um the freshman Carnell Tate Brandon Ennis Noah Rogers, I think are really, really uh, all, all uh, talented. They're all really good players. It, it's a dumb way to describe it, but I mean, it's just, it's, it's the truth. Uh, we, 
or I think we, I will say, I will say we, and I will even use the Royal we as in everybody here at C2C <laughs> prefers in some combination, innocent Tate over yeah. Rogers. But I do think there is a hmm, small chance that Rogers could end up, I mean, could be a value in drafts. I just, I, I think it's going to be tough for him. It's a, it's a, a very, very, uh, uh, steep mountain with all the guys he has in front of him. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, he's a talented wide receiver. He definitely has some things he needs to clean up technically, but I mean, he was, he's athletic. He's, um, I, I think he's a good player, but there's so, there's such a log jam ahead of him. I think he's almost like a near lock for a year one zero, which really sucks because he's the wide receiver nine in this class. And he's a four star. And if he goes anywhere else, like I think he could have a really good freshman year. Um, I think the discussion really comes to Carnell Tate and Brandon Innes. I lean Tate over Innes um, based on the new information from this spring. You know, Innes wasn't on campus, so that really that kind of sucks for him. But Carnell Tate was nonstop hype, first player to lose the black stripe, one of the fastest players to lose the black stripe, which is that weird thing that Ohio State does with their freshmen. Um, and he was getting time with the ones. Now there were some injuries. Uh, Fleming and Buka were both out. You know, they used Marvin Harrison Jr. fairly sparingly because they know exactly what they have with him. So, but Tate looks good. So I do lean Tate over Ennis, but I think Ennis is very good as well. There's, uh, I prefer Tate. If I'm sitting on the clock at like the 108, I will take Tate every single time. But there's not so much of a gap that if I'm sitting at the 112 and I want to desperately move up, like I, I, I wouldn't do that I, if I could, if I knew that in this would be there at twelve, and he, a lot of the times is. So that that's the kind of gap there is, i.e., no real gap. Kate Stover is a tight end. I don't think we. I don't want to brush him off totally, but I don't think we really need to talk about him. I think he's an afterthought in this offense. Could he be an NFL guy? Maybe, but I, I, I'm, I think he probably plays some snaps in the NFL, but not a guy that you want too much for fantasy. Penn State. Drew Alar. I think Jelani Thurman is, is worth mentioning a tight end too for Ohio okay. State. That's um, true. That's true. True freshman. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Just a, a name to keep in mind. I don't have him rostered anywhere yet, but in deep supplementals, if it's like start two tight ends, mm-hmm. I could see him being worth like a last round pick or so. Um. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off before getting no. to Penn State. Like, no, the, I, I cut you off right before we get to my team. Which it's know. a good, it's a good mention. So it is Penn State. <laughs> I mean, I just want to unleash you on this, Drew Alar. I mean, just talk to me about what you expect out of Drew Alar this year. Yeah, so I, I like Drew Alar a lot. We all like Drew Alar a lot. Um, I do think this offense is going to start slow, and they're going to keep not the training wheels on him per se, but they're they're going to keep the Ferrari going the speed limit for a little bit until they, you know, that's lame. Really, really get the feel for it. You know, um, Mike Yersich is the offensive coordinator there. And I, I like Mike Yersich. I think that was a good hire last year. They were 98th in neutral game script pass rate, 61st in pace, the 98th in neutral game script pass rate. A lot of that has to do with the talent that they had at running back, which is still there. And the quarterback that they had was Sean Clifford, who is gone. So I think Sean Clifford kind of hamstrung this offense and kind of hamstrung Yersich and what he wanted to do. Uh, when Yersich was at Oklahoma State from 2013 to 2018, offensive coordinator under Mike Gundy, it's largely the, the Mike Gundy offense, but 
they ran a, a good pace. Um, they ran 74.8 plays per game, which is, is a pretty fast pace. The wide receiver one for them was pretty productive. Um, under uh, Again, it's, it's kind of Gundy's system, but Yersich really learned under him. Then he goes to Ohio State, and then he goes to Texas for a year. Uh, so they he's learned under a lot of really talented offensive minds uh, with Gundy and Ryan Day. So I like Yersich. I think he's going to be good for this offense. He wants to throw the ball. He wants to push the ball downfield, and that's what Aller does really well. The biggest thing is, again, easing Aller in and this wide receiver core, which we'll get to in a minute. And the fact that they have very good running backs. So, well, just just I, go right into the wide receiver group, Colin. I mean, I think there we don't the, the running back group is two players deep. Like we don't yeah. have. We can talk about kind of what we think that split's going to be. The wide receiver room. If you think that they end up letting the sports car go above the speed limit, I forget you said Ferrari, right? I, yeah, I said Ferrari. <laughs> if, if if the Ferrari ends up, you know, they they are allowed to put some some gas on this thing. Who who benefits? I think it's um, Josh or, uh, Dante Cephas. Uh, they bring him in from Kent State. He had like 1,200 yards last year. They bring him in as the wide receiver one. They were connected to a lot of wide receivers in the portal. And Cephas was really the only one that they said, if you come here, you will be our wide receiver one. So I think Cephas is a, is a pretty big value right now in drafts. Um, this team, again, like I said, they're probably going to run the ball a little bit more, but Alar is the type of guy who can push the ball downfield, and Cephas is the guy, a type of guy who can win over the top and also win in the intermediate area. Um, so I, I like Cephas. I think he's a, a pretty solid wide receiver. And then the rest of the room is just a lot of question marks. If Keandre Lambert-Smith, who if he can stay healthy, he's a decent number two wide receiver. Um, Dane Brugler had him as like, I think it was wide receiver, like five or wide receiver seven, um, in his rankings when he just released those, I do think the NFL is going to like Keandre Lambert Smith a little bit more than we do in college. I don't think he's ever actually going to be fantasy relevant, but he'll probably stick on a roster assuming he can stay healthy. Um, but then the rest of the guys, they have Amari Evans, Caden Saunders from last year. Both of those guys were freshmen. Saunders was year one, zero. Evans seemed to have a really strong connection with Drew Alar. Uh, he had the touchdown that Drew Alar threw during the season last year in the limited work that he got. He had a touchdown in the spring game. So Alar and Evans seem to be on the same page. So if I'm betting on somebody behind Cephas, it's Evans. That'll be music to some people here at C2C's ears. Um, what do you want on Evans pretty early yourself? Yes, um, I, I was a pretty big fan of his. Any other thoughts on the receiving group, including the tight ends? Um, you know, uh, Theo Johnson hasn't really put it all together, but Uber Athlete and then Rappelier, the, the true freshman here. Yeah, I mean, the NFL seems to really like Penn State tight ends. I mean, Dean Brugler has Tyler Warren as like his number five tight end, which is just They took Brent Strange from the what, day two last year. It's just the stupidest yeah. thing I've ever seen happen in my life. Yeah, I mean, at least with Theo Johnson, he's athletic and he's like a pretty good pass catcher. He just really hasn't been able to put it together. Rappelier, I think, is the future of the room. Um, he's a guy that I like. Um, but honestly, I think one of the the I don't want to say it's an embarrassment, but it almost is, is that this wide receiver room, like 
and, and these pass catchers like are such big question marks and your Penn state, they have not really recruited the wide receiver position all that well. If they want to take that next step and compete with Ohio state and compete with Michigan on a year in and year out basis, they're going to need better talent at the skill positions and they have it at running back. They have it for now at quarterback with a lar. They need receivers. Tight ends always seem to be pretty solid. Um, I don't know that you're going to want to start any of these guys for fantasy, but they'll, they'll get drafted. Um, Theo Johnson will get drafted next year. Last discussion topic here. As we mentioned, the running backs, it's, it's just very clear. It's two guys here. It's Nicholas Singleton, who many of us have as our RB1 in our C2C rankings, and I do not believe anybody has lower than RB3. And then Katron Allen, who was a high four-star guy in his own right last year, was incredibly productive, uh, but suffers from really not being as big, fast, strong, or exciting as Singleton. I mean, what what's the split going to be here, Colin? I think this is going to be a pretty even split, to be honest. Like the staff really likes Katron Allen, and they like the consistency that he brings. They also used him in the passing game a decent amount last year. They used him like more than they did with Singleton. So like he's a competent pass catcher. He's never going to be a weapon out of the backfield or anything, but he's a guy who you don't need to take off the field on third downs. He's going to get you what's blocked. Plus, you know, maybe another yard or two. Um, He's just a guy who's steady Eddie checks a lot of boxes and they like that. And then Singleton's that home run hitter, you know, Um, Singleton's in the Saquon Barkley mold where it's like, you know, like two yards, three yards, four yards, four yards, three yards, 30 yards, you know, like that's the type of thing that, singleton can be is he's just a a game breaker and you you know he's a great compliment to Allen. they like the way these guys work together it's going to be a very frustrating split all year um barring health knock on wood let's keep both of them healthy but barring health it's going to be a frustrating split yeah i mean it's it's really really kind of interesting to see how their snaps uh played out throughout the entire season they were uh, pretty much identical katron played 474 singleton played 425 um but i think it's because katron uh played a bunch on special teams and singleton didn't play as much on special teams beyond returning a handful so i think that makes up some of the discrepancy um overall but yeah i think this is just going to be a tough um one to follow it is intriguing that singleton and katron are both up close to like 220 pounds now like they're both they both bulked up big time in that vaunted penn state um strength conditioning program this off season a couple schools left here colin and we can rapid fire these because quite frankly there's not a ton of players here that i think are interesting although i think there's some room for discussion uh overall a more you know broad range Purdue, uh, just switching over everything here. They yeah. lose Brom. He's headed over to Louisville. They uh, bring in Graham Harrell as their offense coordinator, which is really what we care about here. Air raid background there. Hasn't had the best couple of years, but still, you know, that's what he's going to run. Hudson Card has been brought in to be his starter. He was at Texas the past couple of years, stayed last year to get his degree, and now he's here. Um, I do think this makes card kind of interesting and I know you're a Hudson card guy. So do you think it's interesting or am I just crazy? Uh, 
No, I, I definitely think Hudson Card is interesting here with Graham Harrell as the offensive coordinator. Graham Harrell, like you said, not great the past couple of years, the past like two years. Like he's kind of lost a little bit of that luster, a little bit of that sheen. Um, but he runs a fast paced offense. He runs that air raid offense. Uh, when he was at USC for three years from 2019 to 2021, like the, they threw the ball all over and, you know, the wide receivers were very good. So you know, that makes some of the wide receivers interesting, which we can get to here in a second. But, you know, the quarterbacks are going to have a lot of volume. And Card also does bring an element with his legs. Now, I don't think Graham Harrell is going to be designing runs for him too often, but Card is also the type of guy who, um, I don't want to say he sees ghosts, but he's a little jittery in the pocket and he's definitely going to be willing to take off and run. Uh, and he can, so that, that does make him interesting. Like he's like a fifth, sixth quarterback on my roster, kind of a guy. Yeah. That feels like the range for him. Uh, I don't know who he's going to be throwing to. I've written, I wrote TJ Sheffield down here. I have taken him two or three times this year. I'm not like super excited about him, but I do believe they sent him, if I remember correctly, to Big Ten Media Day, which as the team representative could be something that could be absolutely nothing. I don't really know, but I do think there is upside here for him to have uh, a pretty nice year uh, for fantasy purposes uh, in the air raid offense. Yeah. Yeah. TJ Sheffield's probably the receiver that I'm the most interested. I've drafted him, I think, once so far this offseason because he tends to be available in supplementals. Um, but like I said, you know, during Graham Harrell's time at USC, um, wide receiver ones averaged 21.8, 21.8, 19.8 fantasy points. Um, when he was at North Texas prior to USC, uh, in the last year that he was there, they the wide receiver one had 18.4 fantasy points. Um, West Virginia really last year, um, I don't know how much of that was his doing, how much of it was the talent on the roster, the quarterbacks that they had, Neil Brown's influence on wanting to kind of run the ball a little bit more. But the wide receiver one, they only averaged 14.2 fantasy points per game. So I think it's probably going to be a little bit closer to West Virginia than it was USC. But I think it'll be a little bit better than 14 fantasy points per game for Sheffield. So he'll be like a guy that you could flex now and then if you need, depending on the matchup. How much Devin Mockaby do you have? Uh, almost none, but Same. I, I not don't because I hate him or anything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't dislike him. I think he's fine, but Graham Harrell's offenses don't really use the running back all that much. You know, they're not that great for fantasy purposes. So I don't hate Maccabi. He's rosterable, but I'm not excited about him. Any, I haven't seen anything about the tight end replacing Payne Durham, and it's not like they extensively use the tight end in Graham Harrell's offense, so I'm not inclined to be searching uh, for that player either. I have had one or two people ask me on that front, uh, agreed or disagreed there, Colin. Nah, completely agree. It's it's a different offense, different system. You know, you can't equate what Brom did with Durham to what Harrell will do with this offense. So, and it's not even clear who's going to be the next guy up. So I'm not. I'm not losing sleep over this. Um, Rutgers it gives us even more of a uh, rough squad here. I think the only name worth mentioning is Samuel Brown, the fifth. Um, it always blows my mind when somebody gets to the fifth because it's just like a lot of things have to go right. To make it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, 
I, I mean, that's all I have to say on him. He runs hard. He's, he's, um, he's got an interesting frame. He's over 200 pounds. Uh, I don't know that he's a great athlete, but I know coming out of high school, we had measured him over 21 miles per hour. So not bad there in a straight line. I just, uh, you just worry about Rutgers. Like, are they good enough to make a running back work? It's the, I think it's a legitimate question. Yeah. I think Samuel Brown is really the only interesting name here. Like you said, um, Kirk Siraka is who they brought in as the offensive coordinator now this year. And he is more of a run heavy guy he spent time. He's about one year at Penn state, which it was the 2020 year. I don't really blame him for that. Like, I don't think he, he, he wasn't good, but he didn't need to be fired necessarily after one season. Like, I think that was a mutual parting of ways. And that was good. He goes back to Minnesota and he just kind of rode uh, one guy when he was at Minnesota in terms of the running backs. And it's kind of what I expect him to do with Samuel Brown. As, but how many positive game scripts is Rutgers going to be in that they can afford to run the ball? The quarterback's going to be Gavin Wimsat, so they don't really have to respect him as a passer. So teams are going to be able to key on the run. So I like Samuel Brown. I think he's worth rostering, but uh, I I don't love him. Yeah, I have him as like a the 10th running back on my team in a couple places. Like it's, it's pretty tough. And I know we talk about tight ends and, and QBs and kind of having a, a set number of, of players at those positions. It's a little harder at running back and wide receiver. That's just kind of a giant pool of 25 plus that I have in every league. And he's a back end starter, whatever you want to, or back end guy Roster that I could guy. start if yeah. I, if I wanted to. Um, but, but I'll hold off on NFL value until I see a little bit more Wisconsin our last, school here we have to talk usc and ucla until next year yes um and wisconsin is if you want to talk about purdue undergoing some change i mean wisconsin stylistically this is just a, a total 180 going from this just ground and pound whatever they've done over the past 20 years to supposedly the dairy raid phil longo and co coming in here tanner mordecai going to be their quarterback his last year of eligibility from smu um didn't look great in the spring i think i think concerns are overblown but i think if you're so uh just convinced that he's going to be amazing this year so sure i think that's a risky proposition as well um but i think he's a guy that i once i'm i'm happy to roster him really i am yeah i am too i mean i think tanner mordecai is a competent college quarterback you know is he going to be an nfl guy probably not um, is he going to make some frustrating plays at times? And he's going to have a play, a, a game or two where he throws four interceptions, three interceptions. Yeah. But overall decent college quarterback. And if he's in the right offense, which it seems like he is with Phil Longo here in the dairy raid, then he can put up some big numbers for fantasy purposes. And that's really what we're talking about here. So, yeah, I mean, Tanner Mordecai is fine. He's going to be throwing to a bunch of guys, but nobody that I feel amazing about. Will Pauling, um, uh, Williams comes over from USC, uh, Chimera DK. I, I don't know, Colin. I, I actually haven't drafted a single. This is this is a fact. I haven't drafted a single Wisconsin wide receiver this offseason because I think this could be an example of one of them is going to be good. I'm just not exactly sure who it's going to be. Yeah, I, I'm 
been on record saying Will Pauling is my guy out of this room here. I don't feel super strongly about it, but uh, there was pretty strong buzz about Pauling coming out of spring. He was looking good. Um, now, there was also some buzz about C.J. Williams at times, too, but it does seem like Pauling has locked up the slot, which has traditionally uh, been the position that you want in a Phil Longo offense. You had Elijah Moore there. You had Josh Downs. Um, who was the one before Downs? Uh, Elijah, Elijah Moore? Oh, no, uh, no, no, no. Um, um, the, the, Why am I blanking? Uh, <laughs> in North, North Carolina. He's in the NFL. He, yeah. The name's blanking. I'll remember it after the show. I 100% yeah. know it. I, somebody's going to message us. I, I know I should know this name, and I'm really yeah. blanking on it, Same. so I'm sorry. But the, before Josh Downs, there was a slot receiver who was who was good, put up some good numbers. Um, but yeah, So, yeah, I, I think the slot's the guy that you want here, and that seems to be Pauling, which is why I lean that direction. But I, I think DK could be okay as well. Uh man, I just I don't have a take here. I really, really don't. I, I don't know what I draft. I don't know what position they're going to end up focusing on a little more. Like I Longo, I have people have been saying the slot, and that's not necessarily true. I think he just kind of targets whoever the best guy on the team is. So I I'm I'm not hundred percent sure who that's gonna be. Is Daz Newsom, by the way. Is Daz, Daz Newsom and then Diami Brown, but he was on yeah. the outside, yes. but they targeted Newsom a decent amount. Yeah. yeah Daz. Yeah. I so, knew it wasn't Diami, but moral of the story. I, I don't feel great about projecting any of these guys. I think if somebody else wants to draft them at a decent cost, um, you just let him there, let them do that. And, you know, Pauling's basically going free. Like he I've is. Yeah. I don't, I think he's late. available in almost all my leagues. Yeah. Yeah. So at that cost, like I'll take a swing on that. All right. Well, that's going to do it for tonight's show, guys. Check out everything. Miss Braylon Allen. Oh, my goodness. We did. I don't, there's not that much <laughs> to talk about with him. I, Braylon, okay. I think the question will be with Braylon Allen. You know, he's going to be the starter. Top five Debbie QB in this class, Colin. Higher than that, lower than that. Where do you have him overall? Um, In this class? Yeah. Uh, the yeah. upcoming one. Yep. Yeah. In this class, he would be top five for me, okay. um, for sure. Um, I have him as my. Devi RB five overall. Um, so he would be three in this class. And I think uh, you hear the Derrick Henry comparisons. I think he's closer to AJ Dillon on that spectrum than he is Derrick Henry. He's a runway runner who needs some space and he needs some build up speed, but he can hit home runs. He's big. I don't really think he catches passes, but Wisconsin running backs aren't necessarily asked to. So I don't know if it's that he can't or he's just not asked to. I lean a little bit more towards it's him not being a great pass catcher. But um, well, I mean, we, won't, we won't, probably won't know that until he gets to the NFL. But he'll be drafted. The NFL is going to like this guy. Big guy, run fast. Um, Wisconsin running back. So I definitely think he's solid for Debbie. I just, I'm not as in love with him as some other people are. But he's my RB3 in the class. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's a pretty broad, broad range of expectation for him. I still think he'll be pretty productive this year for CFF, which I think is a slight concern for some people. I mean, Longo has had some okay receivers overall. Um, 
none. Yeah. I mean, he did have the Carter and Javante season a couple years ago. So mm-hmm. um, I think he can produce that again with one guy. The only guy they have behind him is um, uh, what's his name? Who came over from Malusi. a couple years ago? Yeah. Ches Malusi. That's really the only other guy they have there. So um, they're, they're, they're thin there. They can't afford to, to switch to a ton of other uh, backs there. So I do think he's going to get the work, which I think yeah. will benefit him quite a bit overall. Yeah, I agree. I think he'll be, um, you know, not maybe not quite a bell cow because Malusi's decent, but he's going to get a, a good amount of that work because, like you said, it's it's pretty barren behind them. Yeah, it really there's not is. a clear succession either. I don't think because I think Malusi's done after this year. But like uh, we talked about, eligibility is made up. Yeah, <laughs> and doesn't matter. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, all right. Well, that's going to do it for today's show, guys. Check out everything over at campus2canton.com. Articles, rankings, uh, we'll have some in-season content announced soon here. But if, for those of that have been with us before, you know we have projections, um, uh, uh, different uh, player prop tools, DFS, all sorts of different stuff to get you settled on that side of things as well. Um, home field apparel, guys. Promo code campus to canton If you're using an email that's never purchased over there before, 15% off. So go ahead and do that buy yourself some gear get ready for the season and then of course check out the youtube and podcast channels guys give those shows a like a subscribe a download all those things that help us grow for free no cost to you at all until next time guys i'm austin and this is colin and have a good one